Blog Talk Radio. Okay, 
So I am excited. I'm so excited. So I'm going to have her on talking next week. She's kind of, she's been in the modeling game for quite some time, you know, and um, she uh, she is, she's beautiful. You just never know. Pam's age, you'd you be shocked when you hear it. So I'm always, like, shocked. I'm like, what? And she is, I mean, she has this host of, of women that she works with that are models. I've even worked with Pam, and it's been it's so fun, so easy. And, uh, you know, it's really uh, great that she's having, because normally Pam is the person getting the models for fashion shows and everything, but this time she's interested in doing her own fashion so, fashion show. So I'm so excited to have her on and have her on as a guest and talk about the upcoming fashion show and talk about her career as a model in uh uh, the fashion industry, okay? So I really love that. I'm so excited, okay? You know what? I believe in supporting my own people from Kansas City, okay? Because, you know, I was kind of tripped out because I didn't really realize that Kansas City had, like, these, this big thing about fashion lately. I was like, what the hell's going on? Like, they would have Kansas City Fashion Weeks and everything. I was like, what the, what, what the hell? And it's been going, they've been really embracing a lot of, fashion stuff in the Kansas City area, so I really love that. A lot of new uh, vendors, a lot of new designers, people out of Kansas City, so it's so, I love it. I'm excited. I really am, so I'm excited to sit down and talk to her and have that conversation, okay? Uh, See, sometimes I have some fun guests on here, you guys, and if you, you know, you guys can check out the archive shows uh, for other interviews and things like that. And then I'm trying to get a couple of more interviews booked, too, before, you know, before I take my uh, summer, give y'all my summer couple of weeks. <laughs> okay, so, also, what is it? What happened? What's been happening with me this week? Okay, I got to see The Shy. The Shy came back after a long-ass hiatus, okay? But, you know, COVID, we can get, it's always got a long hiatus. Y'all know I was on Lena Waste ass last year because I could see the showers. They was fucking up the shot. I was like, they are fucking up the shot. <laughs> but I did make the suggestion. Somebody must have heard me. I don't know. But I kept saying Jason Weaver. The shot needs Jason Weaver. He is going to be in the shot. And I'm hurt. The rumor is that he's he's going to re-up the role of Brandon that Brandon will be in the witness protection agency. I got to go back and listen to the archive show because didn't I say that? <laughs> I don't know. But we got to go back and listen. But I'm so excited to, uh, to for Jason Weaver to back on, be back on. Okay, so let me tell you what I liked about the shot. Let me start off. The beginning, the beginning sequence of how they go through everything, and then they come back, like they go through all the stuff that happened, and then they go a month before. Like they start off the show at a month before, and I'm like, Whoa, I mean, I felt like, Lena, I don't want to dog you, but I feel like, did Lena do like that? <laughs> I mean, it was really great, okay? Some of the pace of the show I liked. Some of it I did not. I did not like Keisha suddenly hanging out with, uh, that what's his name's girlfriend? Because I'm like, weren't you and him together not too long ago? I mean, it just was so weird. I don't know, it's... And I'm, a, but I I did like the pace of it. I did like tr- where it's trying to go. I'm intrigued. I'm going to continue to watch it. Here is my problem with it. Okay, um, when the shot first started, and I feel like there was a whole different group of writers. This is my personal opinion. Okay, and I could be wrong. Maybe it just you know y'all just changed up or something. But 
what I loved about the shy when it first started, and I felt like the young men, you know, I feel like the young men are growing up so fast. It's just like we're kind of running through your innocence and stuff like that, but I digress. It's nothing. But what I loved about the shy when it first started is because it was cross-generational, how real life is. Real life, it had a grand, it had a story of a grandmother who was uh, dealing with her grandson coming home from the military and the things that he had, uh, you know, he was going to have a good life, but the military happened and things happened to him and he was dealing with post-traumatic stress and, and the, and the accidentally, accidental killing of Coogee and, and how he intersects with Brandon and then Brandon's mom and her backdrop story. And it was really just a well-written, well-rounded show, like very well-rounded. Now when it comes to, I mean, and it had, you know, and then you had the older gangster. Like you had the older OG guy, which I don't know, he just disappeared off the map. I don't know what happened to him. But, but you had, but the, what I really loved was the story of the grandmother. I really thought that was so good. And what we got now is Alina, Lena has, I don't know if it's Lena, but they've eliminated all the old people. And I'm like, is this a show just about young people? I mean, they've eliminated all the old fucking people. Like the guy who owns the store. I mean, the what's the, the character? I forget the guy's character that's, who's who's now running the shop to run in the barbecue shop or the food shop, but he just took over his fucking store? Like, you know, how, how does that happen? What happened to him, the man who was, the older man who was running the store? I mean, it's kind of weird. I mean, <laughs> we don't get any uh, a, a story about that because all we see is him catching him at the end. Remember he busted him at the, on the last season of him having these uh, these things in the back of his store, and he said, hey, I can't believe you did me like this. But we don't know what happened. We have no clue what happened, and we see that character eliminated, another older person. So is there a lot of ageism going on here? Uh, uh, Alina, what's going on here? <laughs> because, you know, the hood is full of different groups of people and different types of things. It's almost like, you know, when we're writing stories about specifically that, uh, that uh, how can I say, Specifically, that aim towards uh, discussing the life and the life and the story of traditional or native Black Americans. We know that older people are very important to Black American society, even though sometimes we might might not act like it. But older people are very important. We see older people in our daily lives, okay? And if not that, we we respect. Part of our heritage is to respect our elders, okay? So even we put the elders in just because they got a story too. And that was what was great about the shy. You had these three young boys, but you had all these groups of people of different age groups and everything around them as they grow and they're seeing the story. Suddenly the next year it's gone. <laughs> it's completely wiped out. And we see in I don't know. We see it a lot. Now, what I will say is this, Lena. I love how you wrote the the gay girl, the gay the the lesbian woman in where she was sitting at the table. She's having a conversation. It just wasn't built on lesbianism. This is what I told you the last uh, thing that you just dropped them in on us, and it was sort of like you was trying to force down everybody's throat. L P L L. What is it? L B T 
shit, y'all know what I'm talking about. It was LBTQ or whatever. It's just like he was trying to force that agenda down. When instead of just making them human, human. And I said this on the show before, but I was so glad to see her having a human moment, just being a woman, being around other women, talking, even though she has a different a, a different lifestyle. She's still cool. Everybody's still – that's how it really happens in the neighborhood. Even if people know you uh, lesbian, even if they disagree with her, some these people still uh, people still talk to people and stuff like that. It, I love that she was just interacting and having a normal moment, and that was great. Okay, so that's my thing about the shy. Okay, as I saw the shy this week, but let me say it was kind of a lean away to week. Y'all know I be talking about Lena. Because I normally be talking about her shit, right? Because I be, I got some criticisms. I do be having some criticisms. About, but I love the the one show I do love that Lena Waithe has is The 20s. Oh, my God. I love it. So well written. The girl who is the star, the girl who's the main character of that, which I think is a character based on Lena Waithe herself. That girl, is she's so good. She's so good. And she drives that storyline Oh, my God, I love the 20s. If you haven't seen the 20s, I think it switched to Showtime. It's no longer on HBO, I mean, on BET, but they still show old uh, episodes on BET, but now it's on Showtime. I don't know how that's going. I'm going to have to figure it out. But it is so good, okay? So I did like that. I haven't completely been, like, on Lena's ass, okay? Now, this week, Lena had a great discussion, was it, earlier during the week with Maxwell. You know, y'all know at Maxwell there, I'm going to be there. I'll be listening. <laughs> so it's on the 24th. So she had a discussion with Maxwell about this show. She's doing, I guess she has a show called Master of None, which I never knew about, okay? And it's already two seasons down the pipe. But there's a she has a third season called Moments of Love, okay? And it's kind of, it's even though it's interwined into the other two seasons, you can you can actually go just watch the third season and still get the gist of the story, okay? Like you can if you just new to this master and none thing, you just go watch the third season and get the gist of this story of moments of love, right? Now, when I saw Lena was getting ready to do moments of love, I rolled my eyes. You know how I be done. I'm like, oh yeah, she you're gonna try to here's a LTV, uh, LGBTQ. Uh, trying to, she gonna try to shove it down our throat. You know, Lena don't have no how to write where it just is normal. <laughs> it seems like it's always a message to it. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, so as she was having this discussion with Maxwell, because they was because I guess there's a scene, there is a scene in it where they have this talk about, you know, where she she asked the girl, what if it, you know, I we were in a party and Maxwell was playing and all this stuff, and you know. So they use him in the script. So that's why she brought him in. And so he started talking about it, and he says, well, you know what? She's, she's talking about the script, and he said, well, it's basically just the humanity of it. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. So you saw some humanity in Alina Waite? <laughs> Maybe I need to watch it, right? So I watched I watched the three, season three. And listen, don't y'all tell nobody I was crying over Lena Waite's shit. I kind of cried a couple of times. It was so, but there was another girl who wrote in this, okay? So I feel like it wasn't all Lena Waithe moments. <laughs> Lena said, give me some, you better give me some credit on my shit. <laughs> There's a girl, I forget her name, Akil, Akil, I got to look it up. But another writer on this, okay? This was such 
a great story. That chapter, that's that season three. It's so, I mean, because you didn't look at it as just, you know, were they just trying to make it like a, uh, like a, uh, like a, you didn't try, you didn't look at it as just a story about two lesbian women. You looked at it as a story about just real shit that you, anybody can go through, any couple can go through. Even from my favorite was this part where the girl was trying to have a baby and all the stress. Like after she, I can't, I don't want to tell you out the story, but she was going through this, and it was such a, it was such a beautiful, well, well written story. So shout out to Lena Waite for that moment of love. I enjoyed it from beginning to end. I, and I, because I wasn't thinking about that, I was just thinking about love, and I really liked it. And there was, you know, I was like, there were moments where I was just like. Oh, like I was, I, I saw my wife. I was really crying. I was like, "Oh my God!" I was like, "This is really, this is some shit." Now I did notice now, because I'm an old, you know, I like old plays and stuff like that. So I did kind of notice the barring, and I can't remember that old play from years ago. Alan Alda was in it, and I don't know if they bought, they know they borrowed from this, but there was this play that they made on TV. They made a movie, movie one time. And they used to show it on TV all the time. It's about this couple, right? And they used to meet every year. Uh, uh, they were having an affair, and they met every year until their old age. Right? It's such a great play. Oh my God, it's, it's a tearjerker too. But I kind of noticed some highlights from that a little bit. I was like, is that kind of borrowed from that? But listen, people borrow from all kind of things. But Lena Waite, that was really damn good. I would encourage y'all to watch uh, that Moments of Love. You know, thank Maxwell because shit, I wouldn't pay no attention. I would look at your name and. Went on about it. <laughs> I'm going to quit it. I'm going to quit it. Listen, Lena Waits, I like two things. I, I actually like the shot. But, and, I, and I like, but listen, I just be having criticism. And I like 20s. And I like this moment of love. I really did. I enjoyed it. And I'm going to say this, Lena Waits, okay? Let me just say this, okay? I was actually surprised about, I mean, I ain't going to lie. Because I be know, because you know I be seeing Lena Waite's tweets. I remember tweet her like some like times during verses. And maybe she just be trying to be funny, but sometimes she be seeing seeming kind of corny and stuff. So I was like, oh, Lena Waite's interviewing Maxwell. How's this gonna be? But listen, that was one of his best interviews. Let me just say that she, it was a great discussion with him. I really liked uh, her flow with him and her questions. I thought it was. Um, I thought she didn't approach it. What I loved. And maybe because Maxwell, he's a little bit, he's a Gemini, so Gemini's be changing. They help you a little bit in the communication area. They don't realize they be doing it sometimes, but, like, he, he helped to turn her questions up. I mean, he helped her questions so He helped the flow of where it was, like, artist to artist, and I like that. I like that feel. It wasn't like an interviewer to an artist. It was like an artist to another artist discussing two art forms. And, you know, kind of merging together. So that was a good interview. So check that out. I think it's on Lena Waite's uh, Instagram page, okay? That's really, really good. It was. It's a good interview. It's one of his best ones for to me. I mean, actually, my personal opinion, okay? All right. So what else? Child DMX got new music out. Rest in peace, D. Mm-mm-mm. I'm eating my strawberries and talking to y'all. 
for sure messy like that. Listen, I'm going to just say this. DMX is one of the greatest uh, rappers, in my opinion, because he, he had such a different style. His style was so gritty and so hard, the way he came and everything, and, you know, rest in power, you know, to him. And the whole, even Swiss, when they came out with that, you know, that first album, I mean, you know, the first few, few albums, it was great, you know. Uh
and who you are, your roles in life, compared to what career you're going to have, being a probably, I'm not, I'm not a mommy, but I can imagine that's even triple the issues, okay? She's a wife, mom, she's a big-time singer, and she's married this guy who's a producer, and I think Alicia has been trying to find herself for a long-ass time again, you know, and like she's trying to balance all that and try to introduce us to the new her, but at the same time, I mean, but we just ain't getting it. And in this DMX song, she she sounds off kilter. And the beat, I'm not gonna say no more. I don't want to say no more because you know, by you know, stream DMX album, y'all y'all tell me what y'all think. But that's the song leading it off. I mean, it's supposed to be the single hit single. So I that that expressed to y'all, but there is a couple songs on there that I really did love, and you know, I thought you know, I'm gonna leave that alone. So I did get to hear that. I got to watch Growing Up Hip Hop this week. Growing Up Hip Hop, what is it? Is that New York? Oh, Atlanta. I be getting that shit mixed up. That's New York. Okay. Angela Simmons, the Simmons girls are back in the building. Um, Angela's dating again. We all know how that ended, yeah. <laughs> uh, Angela's so young, you know. Listen, there's a, there's a lot going on here. I could dissect, but I don't have I don't have time. Egypt, Egypt, Egypt is my favorite on there. I love Egypt. I really, I think she's so pretty. I'm like, look at this girl. She's so beautiful. Her skin is flawless. Eyes. I mean, Pepper's daughter is hot, okay? She is beautiful. And it's just, I'll be just like, well, one day when she wake up and realize what she done did, child, she don't understand who she is. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all I got from Egypt. Egypt just don't understand. Egypt's young and don't understand who she is yet. That's all. That's all. That's all. That's why she, I ain't no offense to, to Sam. Sam is the, and Sam to me is kind of talented. But Sam is seems to me like a crimer, you know, and she doesn't see it yet. You know, she she's so young and so not has not has has not is so unaware of her own power. She knows it but she doesn't know it. And that happens when you're in your early twenties. She's kinda unaware, you know what I'm saying? So yes, but I love watching Egypt on there. I love uh, I, I and and her there's the other cousin that's getting married. Yeah, that's a that's another whole dissecting thing. Okay, <laughs> but anyway, I like the Simmons girls. Uh, oh, and I love Mary J. Blige's stepdaughter. What's that girl name? I like her. She doesn't realize how pretty she is. That's why she acts out so much. I'm like, she acts the fuck out. But you know that's why she acts the fuck out because I don't think she sees the beauty in her. I'm like, she is so, I don't really think she sees how pretty she is. Like, she is pretty. And the freckles and everything, that just add to it. I'm like, this girl don't really see, she don't really see, so she, there's a big, you know, she got this real hard shell up around her. But I think if she realized what she, uh, again, she, her and Egypt seem a lot alike to me because, you know, if they realize who they were, they, they're, how they, how they live would come across a lot different on screen, right? Uh, but, I, you know, she's a rough rider. She's calmed down, though, over the years, but she, you know, still kind of the rough. They got her kind of going around, has the, she's kind of like the, the, 
the person that kind of bridges everybody, kind of like, you know, the narrator of the story. But I actually just like her. She's very interesting, okay? Um, what else? Yeah, I so that's that's my thing on growing up hip hop, okay? Uh oh and I and listen, here's something else I noticed. I really love Dame Dash's son, you can see the growth. I what's his son's name? The the son I forget the son that's on growing up hip hop. But you can see this energy in him. It seems like his growth, he's taking like leaps and bounds. Like his growth is like it's something that happened when he stood up to them dudes, when he stood up to Romeo and him. <laughs> And since then, it seems like he since he came back, I mean, his energy seems completely like, oh, my God, like he seems more grounded, like a calm version of his father, like a, a calm, more grounded version of his father. And I saw something, too. I was watching it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I just saw something. Egypt. I think he was checking Egypt out. And, you know, he was standing next to Egypt, and they looked good together. I was like, Egypt, that's your dude. Get rid of that other one. That's the one right there for you. I mean, they looked, they seemed to have, and they was both standing together next to each other. I could see it. I was like, oh, it was just, it was, they had an energy to them. She didn't even see it because she was too busy paying attention, but he, I think he could feel it. It it was just, yeah, maybe not. Maybe he would say he would deny it, but I could see it. I was like, oh, y'all cute, cute. Because it was a party for Peppa, and him and her were standing behind, and Sam was hiding back up on the steps with his, you know, how he be doing. But Egypt and him were standing together, like, talking, like, side by side, and it looked right. It just looked right. Oh, my God. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I don't know, child. Mm-mm. If she get her mind straight, that's probably more ago. <laughs> thought that was really cute. So, yeah, I got to watch Growing Up Hip Hop at New York. So that's that. And let me see what else have I gotten to watch this week, you guys. Um, that's it. I watched this strange movie last night. <laughs> I'm always attracted to these type of movies. Maybe it's a Scorpio thing. I watched this movie, The Craft. It's about these three girls who are teenage witches, and they were trying to meet the fourth one. <laughs> it was actually really good. On the Stars Channel, that shit was good. I had, I enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, and I forgot to talk to y'all about Run the World. Okay. Oh, that's another one. Oh shit, Run the World. Okay. Is that my? Did I get that out? I didn't get that out. Run the World. I got to see the second one. Okay, the second is it the second one? Really good. They're getting better as they go along. I love the character, the girl character that's married. Oh my gosh, she's so good. She's so good. She's she's good. She's good. She's the star. She good. Good. All of y'all, all of them are good. But she's like, stay, she's staying out. Oh my god, I love her. I I like this story. Has this going along more? And not just because Nick is there. <laughs> Nick didn't. They didn't hardly show Nick last week. I don't think they showed him at all, did they? But I, you know, not just because Nick's there. No, I just actually like the women now. The more and more the show happens, the the topics, the show, the only thing is, it's like, God, you millennial girls move fast. Because you fucking move fast. <laughs> I mean, the show is like, they fucking move fast. They like, I mean, and they got, you know, and they, and it, it's not, I feel like the women are more male-like. You know, 
Like, you, you watch a waiting to exhale. Even Sex in the City, okay? I feel like all the girls had a masculine side in Sex in the City, but we all know Samantha was masculinity, like, you know, on, well, female masculinity, right? She acted like a male when it came to sex and everything. And you had that a little bit but with Carrie and all the other characters, but the thing was, that which is Sex in the City is let me just say this the most the best well written story to me ever of four women I love that that no matter if it was white pink purple it was just well written okay every week I mean just they wrote the shit out of that okay uh, but here's the, and, it, and and what was interesting is it was about four white women and you know even though has a black woman. You know, I just feel like nobody has been able to put the black female experience in form like Sex in the City was in form, you know. And Sex in the, let me just explain this. Sex in the City was easy to, it was easy to do so with Sex in the City because why we all, and I heard uh, somebody say this this week, I think the guy who plays the Duke, John Page or whatever, that guy who plays the Duke on uh, Bridgerton, uh, Bridgerton or whatever, the Bridgerton thing, he said something this week that was really interesting about race. And he was just talking about how in race we all see our eyes because we're taught to see through kind of like the lens of whiteness. But, you know, it's hard for people to see see your story through that. Oh, God, I wish I, I could. Let me see if I can find what he said. He said something so, uh, let me see if I can find that. He said something so I thought was so thoughtful uh, about race, and I felt that way about um, Sex in the City. Uh, let me see. Uh, I'm gonna look it up and see if I can find see what he said. It was really interesting. Okay, let's see if I can find this. This is something very interesting on race. I thought it was really good. God, uh, I'm gonna try to find it during break and come back and tell you guys. But he said something so I thought so thoughtful about race and about how we see race and how because white um, whiteness is so always the standard like seems to be the standard in film and television and stuff so sometimes we can re we can see their stories as universal but it's hard to see black people and i remember uh cicely tyson saying this she she talked about um i forget one of the stories that the movies that she played in she was saying when a white lady came to interview them and the white lady went interview her i think it was for sounder i can't remember the story she did but she said the lady said well i was surprised to see a love story there and cicely tyson was like what do you mean you know what you think we as black people don't love each other she said well no i and this was back in the you know day she was like no i mean i just i i'm not used to seeing that i'm not used to seeing that perspective and that she thought black love was just kind of, you know, it is is not normally the standard put forth. And when it's put forth, it's put forth with so much of our, uh, especially when you're talking about um, 
we talking about all black people, but when you're talking about Native Black American stories, a lot of our stories are intertwined with race, right? And if it's not, it's almost unrealistic sometimes, right? Because race is such a huge part of our dynamic in the United States. So it makes us kind of sometimes hard to relate to and love and things like that. Um, but Sex in the City, was a, you, it was able to be a – because every girl could relate to getting dumped by the guy you love or having a Mr. Big in your life and stuff like that. They have very uh, universal things. But also it was it was for white women, right? Um, whereas girlfriends, now not to me as well written, girlfriends wasn't as real written, but it still had, it had our story, but it's hard to um, – uh, for everyone to embrace racism and oppression and stuff like that, okay? Uh, so, and I, it, we've yet to have a story, I guess, as black women, except for Wait and Excel. And I would even question that. We've yet to have that story that could be a universal cross story, you know, and uh, run the world. Uh, so what I, this is what I, so, so it's, so it makes so sex in the city was more acceptable is what I'm saying. Now when you have black girls run the world tries to it 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 takes a look at race but it and and culture and stuff like that but at the same time you know it tries to uh uh kind of Bill Cosby like the Cosby show or the Cosby show was kind of you know uh, cross cultural didn't really address race a lot and stuff like that. Um Yeah, I hope I didn't lose y'all what I was saying, but I mean, it. I, I, the thing about Run the World that I thought was, there are all the girls are, in my opinion, more Samantha-like in uh, Sex in the City. They all have a more Samantha energy, even though they're not Samantha. But the energy is such a high sexuality. Like Sex in the City had high sexuality, but you, it just. The detachment wasn't there as much. I guess I'm so shocked about millennials' detachment from their in relationships to things like in these stories, storylines, but they're detached from them at the same time. Very interesting. Attached but detached, hurting but quickly moving on. It's just a very interesting uh, dynamic. And maybe I'm misinterpreting how I'm seeing that. So, But Run the World, definitely take a look at it. I enjoy it. I, I've liked it so far, uh, this, so far what I have seen, okay? It's been really, really good, okay? Uh, what else? We talked about DMX. We talked about, okay. So, y'all got to, it's time for y'all, it's the word this week. Every week I do a thing where I just try to encourage you guys to uh, keep going or something I've learned from the week or something that I'm going through. You know what, this kind of might sound repetitive, some of the stuff I say, because it's kind of like I'm going through a repetitive motion of things, right? But this week I want to talk to y'all about, for It's a Word, overcoming obstacles and maintaining peace of mind, okay? Okay? Uh, it's just some simple things that you guys, I just want you guys to take with you as you, as you, as we, as the world kind of opens back up, <laughs> And some of you might be facing more obstacles. Some of you may be facing uh, more daunting things since the pandemic and stuff like that. 
But I want you to understand about how you can you can you can see those obstacles, but still try to maintain your peace of mind. Okay, overcome them, but still maintain your peace of mind. One of the uh, things I have down is choose your battles wisely. Okay, choose your battles wisely. I've said this on here a number of times. Decide what you want to fight, when you want to fight it, and how you want to fight it. What is it important right now? Is it something that's going to steal your energy? Is it something uh, that are you are you being caught to get into a battle that is not fucking yours? <laughs> All right. So understand what battles you need to fight and what battles you need to stay away from. Okay. So choose your battles wisely. Also, move it in the flow. Maintain a conscious understanding of your energy. What's draining it? What's fueling it? Okay. So what I mean by moving in the flow, and I have such sometimes I have such a hard ass time with this. Okay, because you know I'm a control fucking freak. I'm a scorpion. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so sometimes I can be a free bird because I got that lot that Libra in me. I can be a free bird. I got some Gemini running around here. But you know I can. Uh, uh, but sometimes I can be damn. You know I can so be so fucking control. You know, and so that stops me from flowing in the energy. So what I'm just saying is moving in the flow, sometimes you got to stop, breathe in, and kind of just feel where's your life going, right? And um, keep that consciousness underneath, like understanding that flow, okay? And, and what drains it, what takes away from that flow, where you – are you where you're supposed to be? Understanding where you're supposed to be, where you're going. You know what I'm saying? And then understand what fuels that flow. Okay. So it's like our energy. We get energy every day to do. You know, God graces us every day to wake up and do. For those who wake up, to do with that day, uh, what we're supposed to do. I talked about one day at a time last week because really that's what God gives us one day at a time. And sometimes, you know, we plan out the future and stuff like that, but we know that future things can change at any moment with any little thing or whatever, okay? But we still as humans plan and do things like that. But what I mean by uh, God giving us grace for the day, grace and understanding, it gives us fuel for the day. So we have to understand that conscious flow for that day. How, what is taken away from our gas? It's like you get in the car. When you get in the car, you got a gas. You got so much gas that you can run around on before you're empty and need to refuel again. We're refueled daily as humans, in my opinion, from God. So we have to be careful about what we give our fuel to, what we spend our gas, our human gas on, okay? Are we taking unnecessary trips? that we don't need to be taking, <laughs> right? Are we taking unnecessary uh, moves that we don't need to make that will drain us faster of our time and our energy during during the day to get done what we need to get done, okay? That's what I mean by maintaining the flow because you want to maintain a flow towards where you're supposed to go and what you're supposed to – that's how we get so fucking – and most of humans, most of us get so fucking behind because we are – we, like – you know, we spend our energy and shit on stuff that's not really like, you know what I'm saying. It's stuff that, things that are not, 
that that are not that important are things. So we got so much fuel in the day. So we got to understand when we got to say, nah, I can't focus on that right now. I got to focus on this. I'll get back to that, or if I should get back to it, okay? But I only got so much because I got I got goals and I got things I need to finish and I need to be in the flow because that's what takes us out the flow when we're running out of energy, when we run out of our fuel that we've been gifted with for the day to do what we need to do, and we spend that fuel on things that we shouldn't. So I hope y'all get that, okay? Another thing that can drain you of your fuel, sometimes stagnation is good. Sometimes being still is good, okay? that's a, You got to know that this, it's not stagnation, it's being still. Being still is a good thing. When there, you need a stillness in your life, when you need a calm in your life to just rest and stuff. But stagnation always always takes away your fuel. Okay, and what I mean by stagnation is this energy of just fucking waiting, okay? Like if you can't get one thing, you just like you just sta- you just let y'all know what stagnation is when you just left, like hanging. Like you wanna do something but you can't get it done and it just feels like it feels like an energy drainer. The first thing I'll say to you is when you feel in the stagnation in a certain area, stop and breathe in and see is it time for this right now. Is this the time? It doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It means should I be focusing on it right now? Is it time for this to happen? If it's not time, then I need to pull back from it so I won't feel that stagnant energy in it. It's not time yet. So you need to put it up on the shelf for another day, another time. But don't let stagnation steal your energy, stop you, stop you from moving, stop you from going and stopping your flow. And being stagnant, or just being another thing about stagnation. Stagnation brings brings with it. Okay, so sometimes a lot of our stagnation is brought on not because we can't do something; it's not the proper timing for something, but because we're just afraid. So sometimes we got to remove the fears and walk through the portals of uh, of of of. Walk through the portals of you, what's my, one of my favorite. I, I know I always go to the Bible. Okay, one of my favorite songs is Psalm twenty three. And a lot of people read that at funerals, and I, I have never understood that. <laughs> well, I get, because I think because they say, because I walk, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, okay? And the reason why is because death in this world, because in Christian lore, death in this world is but a shadow. It's really not the end for you, okay? So I can see why people read that at funerals. But I look at it as a life psalm, too, because it, it says, God prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Right, you know what I'm saying? Like God has got you, got you. I got your back as you walk through what seems like death, as you walk through what seems like fear. I got you, okay. And sometimes we gotta walk through those that those valleys to get to the place we need to go, okay. And stagnation and fear will stop us and will keep us stagnant, okay. So I want to encourage y'all to sometimes recognize that you just fear. You know, because if it is, sometimes you got to walk through that valley to get to the other side, okay? You know what I'm saying? And remember that God got your back, okay? He will prepare whatever obstacles, whatever enemies is there for you to face, he will get, he will prepare, you know, give you, prepare a place for you to eat in the presence of your enemies, all right? That's a dope psalm, okay? All right, and next, <clears throat> listen to your intuition, you know, I have a hard time. I have great intuition for other people, okay? Listen, I can tell other people they shit. <laughs> yeah, and I could be right. I'll be 100% right. But sometimes when it comes to myself, 
I don't know, but I have the hardest time following my intuition because of all the things how I see, you know, everything. I always see the deeper, darker end first, right? And so uh, I say listen to your intuition to go in the right direction. Uh, what feels right in your soul, okay? And sometimes you may not can't act on what's right right away. You know, there may be life obstacles or life things that stop you and say, you know what, I can't act on this right now. It's not the time, okay? But to hit your, listen to your intuition to help you go towards the right way, okay? To help you go towards uh, the right road, okay? Listen to that. There's that little voice inside. You will know it. It irritates you. You're like, ooh, dang it. You know, I know I'm, I'm supposed to do this. I know I'm supposed to do this. I know something's not right about this. I know it ain't right. I know it ain't right, and I shouldn't go that way. Or I know it's right, and I feel like I need to go that way, and let me prepare to go that way. Okay, you know, so listen to there's that voice. That voice won't let you rest, okay? So that's uh, intuition, okay? Uh, and then use wisdom, okay? Always use wisdom in all your circumstances. Even with intuition, use wisdom. Let wisdom guide your intuition because wisdom, listen, if you know you want to start a business, right, a, a business, sometimes people are called to quit their jobs right away and go into business. You know, there are a lot of people who've done that in life, and shout out to y'all, and their intuition told them and their wisdom told them and everything, it was a time and everything looked against them, everything didn't look right, didn't a damn, didn't a damn thing look like it was going to work, but they did it anyway, okay? And it worked out. But if you know you got rent next month, <laughs> you might want to listen, let your your wisdom guide your intuition. If you need to, you know, some of you, most people have to set a plan before they quit their job. Or set a plan before they do a certain thing, or set a plan before uh, <clears throat> uh, they uh, they they do all kinds of you know. Set a plan before you uh, uh, you know you do a certain you know, or you start your business, or set a plan before you go traveling to a, on vacation or whatever. You sometimes you have to set out a plan. Sometimes you're called to go, and and some of those, some of y'all, y'all know when y'all have that energy. Some people they just have the energy to go through the hard stuff, okay? And they know, and your and your spirit man will tell you that. But if you're not, if you feel like, hey, that's not me, I need a plan, then use wisdom, wisdom, and 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 wait a minute, and that's not saying the other people don't use wisdom. Wisdom and intuition meet together to tell you what's right, okay? So what I'm saying is <clears throat> if your wisdom is calling you to do a plan, then do the plan and set a time for you to fulfill it, okay? All right. And next is don't let desperation make decisions for you. Okay, trust me on this, okay? Trust me, okay? Don't let being desperate and desperation make decisions for you. Don't let don't <clears throat> meaning don't let a decision, try not to let a decision be enforced or uh, something be enforced upon you where it doesn't feel like you're making it, but it feels like it's something you have to do, okay? You've been forced to do it, okay? And what I mean is that you've gotten yourself in such a pickle that you're, like you said, if you got a choice between, hey, I got a choice between taking this job, I want to be, say, for instance, you got somebody who wants to be an A&R rep, okay, and you're like, I want to be an A&R rep, but you know that taking this little old job at Sony, you might start, and let's just say something crazy, at the mailroom at Sony, where it has, you know, but you got a degree for, 
uh, let's say something big, electrical, I mean, uh, well, chem, let's just say a bioengineer, okay? You got a degree for bioengineering, and you're like, yo, like, I feel really that I, I, I really need to take this job, like, you know, in bioengineering, I mean, because of the money. I'm desperate for money, but I know that, that you know, that money that, that that uh that job at Sony in the mail room ain't gonna pay me as much, okay? You gotta question ask yourself, is that desperation choosing or is that you choose is that the your intuition and wisdom choosing? So you have to make those choices, okay? But sometimes people will let desperation because they need money, they'll choose a, a situation and then they'll hate it and they'll do bad at it or they'll get fired from it because they took a chose a situation out of desperation, okay? So never choose a situation out of desperation. Choose it out of wisdom and intuition, but do not choose it out of desperation. And hearing God's voice, okay, that's the, which is, to me comes through wisdom and intuition, all right? I hope I make sense with y'all on that. And my last one is... Don't be so hard on yourself. It's okay. God, I got to tell my Virgo moon that. Girl, don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> my Virgo moon be like, uh-uh, no, we didn't do that. No, 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 my Virgo moon is very hard on me. <laughs> right? So, uh, you know, don't be so hard. Don't be so critical. It's going to be okay. You're going to get it done. You'll get it done. Are you... Are you at least going towards getting it done, okay? So uh, don't be hard on yourself. Everybody's going through something, and everybody's going through their own set of things and own set of uh, 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 issues in this life. So don't 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 be don't beat up on yourself because you you're not where you feel like you need to be. There's a lot of people in this life that feel like they're not where you're not alone where they you they need to be, okay? All right, so that's my it's a word for the week, y'all, okay? Okay, so what did I say I was going to try to find you out for y'all? I'm going to try to find John Pages, that, that thing, the John guy. I don't know his name, shit. The dude from the Duke, the Bridgman, okay? I'm going to try to find what he said while we're in break. But meanwhile, we're going to listen to some music, but when I get back, we'll talk about some of the news out here. How y'all Emperor Barack Obama, y'all know how I call him y'all Emperor, because he y'all the ever president, that's an emperor, <laughs> okay? And uh, how he said this week why he couldn't do think, do too much, uh, he he had institutional constraints, constraints that kept him from commenting on killings of black people during his reign in office. Oh, we got to talk about his ass, okay? And then uh, we're going to talk about Lori Lightfoot out here getting sued. What does she think? And uh, Naomi Osaka refuses to speak with French press, okay? What's that about? Okay, we're going to talk about that and a whole a lot more when I get back on the CC show. Meanwhile, I need to play a little music for y'all. I love this one, okay? Fall in love, Estelle. Yes, Estelle and John Legend, child. The one I love from John Legend. I only get a few songs from John Legend, okay? I'm going to play that, and I'll be back in a moment, y'all.
God is a genius. I love that one. It's the CC Show. I am back. And, y'all, I'm having a hard time. I don't know if it was on the shade room or Hollywood Unlocked that they had that quote on. But, oh, my God, it was such a good quote. I have to still look for it. I'll try to look throughout the show and see if I can find his quote. Um, I think, what is his name, the guy's name? His name is Ray J. Ray J. John. Ray J. John. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but y'all know shit. Y'all want to look it up, okay? All right, so we are back, and we're about to get into this news out here. I saw this, a couple of news stories I didn't have up to talk about, but I got to talk about them real quick. Okay, it's saying Wuhan Lab is conducting the same research. This is from the Daily Mail, okay? It says Mike Pompeo warns. Now, what did I tell y'all? For those of y'all who've been listening to my show for a long time, okay, you already know. We have already been discussing these kind of things. It says, he warns Institute of Virology is continuing to conduct secret military experiments and more deadly viruses could escape. According to Daily Mail, okay. Mike Pompeo, the former CIA director of, and secretary of state, has said that Wuhan Institute of Virology was conducting a secret military research and claims there is enormous evidence that the virus that caused, it, that caused COVID-19 escaped from the lab. Donald Trump's former top aide also warned that the dangerous experimentation is ongoing at the lab, raising the specter of another potentially deadly virus leak. Now, remember y'all was all laughing and shit at Donald when Donald kept calling it the China virus? Come to find out, which we're going to have a little a story later on in here, that uh, that it, it probably more than likely came from China in that lab. Y'all, need, y'all owe Donald an apology. Donald was trying to tell y'all in these streets, but okay. What can I say for sure is that what I can say for sure is that we know that they were engaged in efforts connected to the People's Liberation Army inside of the laboratory. So military activity being performed alongside what they claim was just good old civilian research, Pompeo told Fox News on Saturday. They refused to tell us what it was. They refused to describe the nature of either those of either of those. They refuse to allow access to the World Health Organization, Pompeo said. That that cover-up alone suggests that there's a lot more we need to know. That, that biology lab is still up and running. It's still probably conducting the same kinds of research it was conducting that may have well led to the virus escaping from that laboratory. Only the Chinese Communist Party knows the answer. The world deserves the answer, and they have to tell us. I hope they will be a bipartisan push to demand and hold accountable, uh, said Pompeo. Listen, I personally believe that, you know, I'm going to tell y'all my conspiracy one-on-one theory, okay? This is conspiracy, okay? I don't know if it's conspiracy really, but but it's conspiracy for most, for probably most of y'all. So I'm going to say conspiracy because it be more, it's easier for people to stomach. Uh, here's the thing. I believe that this isn't just the Chinese government behind this type of thing. This is just my personal belief. But we need to look into a, mer- a huge, uh, wealthy, billionaire, benef- uh, billionaire benefactors and people involved in this lab and the funding of this lab, and politicians who are kind of in the pockets of these billionaires. Because I don't believe, now I don't believe governments are just that cut and dry ran by governments. I believe governments uh, have heavy influence uh, 
from billionaires uh, today, uh, people with big money, and, uh, you know, politics is not sometimes the main focus anymore. Now sometimes politi- uh, these big billionaires can work through things like the Chinese government, okay, because they can promise the Chinese government so much in in their economic status and things like that. So, you know, this is just my – this could be very dangerous, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a virus within the next – several years come out this worse hope not but you know hey that would not surprise me at all so i found that very interesting they had uh that up the next article i saw is this is really good when it says americans are feeling burnout. out this is according to um and that was according to dailymail.com but this is according to w uh, com. It says, work from home, burnout, and Zoom fatigue is a lot more complex than you think. Dr. Veda Sin, who specializes in psychology at Mount Sinai Health System, joins Guild. Okay, they have a, this, this talk. Let me see that. Let me see it. Let me pull it out here, see if I can pull it out. They were talking about Americans feeling burnout. I don't think I had the video up. Okay. But anyway, they're saying a lot more Americans are feeling like because they're feeling more overworked, even from home. A lot of with more Zoom meetings and everything like that. A lot of them have more pressures on them and stuff. So you guys might want to go to this article and look at it later on and look at the video. I don't know if I got it. I don't know if it's going to come up real fast enough for y'all for me to get it on here. But I thought that was interesting. It's on, uh, oh, okay, here it is. I got it up. Okay, let's see. Let y'all hear a little bit of this, okay? I think I got it up. Do I get it? Okay, there we go. We're going to get some of it. Y'all can hear some of it, okay? time to think about burnout. It is happening now more than ever during the pandemic. And work from home burnout and Zoom fatigue is a lot more complex than you might think. Clinical psychologist Dr. Vingetison joins us now to discuss how burnout is real and how to cope with it. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us on Bloom today. Absolutely. Thank you, Gina, so much for having me. So, Doctor, we hear burnout all the time. People say, I'm so burned out. But what does that mean? Yeah, so when we think about burnout, we're thinking about work-related stress, and that typically means feeling physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausted. So not only are we feeling exhausted and depleted, but often this can also express itself in the form of irritability, where we just get really short with other people, or when we have really a hard time focusing, getting things done, just feeling like we're not creative enough, our mind is not working fast enough, we're not able to get stuff done that we could get stuff done before very easily. We might also have a sense of feeling very cynical about things. So this is when we feel a little bit more detached, we're not quite feeling very optimistic, and we're feeling down and out about stuff. We might isolate ourselves, so we might not uh, enjoy having discussions with colleagues on, you know, like virtual meetings and hangouts, and we might not want to participate in that. There might be the sense of inner emptiness as well, which is, what am I doing? Am I really making a difference? Am I contributing? Is this meaningful? And as with all things, there is a mind-body connection. So this can also exhibit in the form of 
physical issues, whether it's GI issues, headaches, or, or sleep disturbances. So we really see burnout as impacting the whole body and the person and also their relationships with other people. So what causes burnout, and is it getting worse during the pandemic? For sure. So I feel like this past year has been such a roller coaster with so many things happening. And I think the pandemic has had a huge role to play. So, you know, pre-pandemic, uh, polls reveal that, that, you know, 78% of employees have experienced burnout. And 40% of that in pandemic times has been attributed to COVID. So, you know, it's very real. And I think it's like, it's what you said, it's the Zoom fatigue and feeling very disconnected from people when we have these virtual meetings. It's also the inability to separate what is now work and what is home. And, you know, work, whether that's, uh, that's working long hours or that's a difficulty kind of putting work away even after it's done. Uh, and then that kind of, you know, gets in the way of us being able to function and enjoy life. But then we also don't have access to all the coping things that we used to. We don't have access to being able to go to the bar or get a Okay, yeah, so that's some of that what she was talking about. And they have another article, too, about America burning out on their jobs and everything. So very interesting. And then they even have an article about how it's hard. Employers are having a hard time getting people to work for them because people just simply don't want to go back to work now. People just so burnt out, they don't even want to go back. <laughs> a mess, okay, a hot mess, all right? So I thought that would be interesting for you guys to hear and check out, all right? So uh, some more of the news we got to get up here. Let me see here. What else I got to talk to you about today? Okay. Let's talk about Naomi and Saka first. Okay, let's do that, okay? Uh, pulling this up, y'all. Okay, so Naomi Osaka this week uh, says she will not speak to uh, the French. She's refusing to speak with the French press, okay, uh, French uh, during the French Open, saying it harms her mental health, okay? Now, I started laughing at that. I wasn't laughing at it harming her mental health. I was laughing at people, Serena and Venus, who came before her, so that she could, uh, they, they, they uh, walked so that she could run, okay? Because listen here. They used to, back in the day, I know Serena and Venus like, shit, do what she had done. They used to ask them to say all kind of shit about those sisters, okay? And, you know, which was, was kind of funny to me, but okay. But I understand here. But this is according to MSN.com Insider, okay? It says, Naomi, uh, uh, it says, uh, Naomi Osaka says she will not speak to the press during the French Open. The tennis star cited the effect that press questions have on her mental health. She said that the journalist questions to athletes bring doubt into our minds. Y'all ain't going to quit. I question shit. I question people. I question shit because why is people been talking to press for years? I know everybody can't handle everything, but what is that unfair to the other athletes who got to get their ass out there and talk to them, okay? But it says the tennis star Naomi Osaka said, has said she will not speak to the media during the French opening because doing so harms her mental health. She said in a statement posted Wednesday, I'm writing this to say I'm not going to do any press during Roland Garros. I've often felt people have no regard for athletes' mental health, and this rings true whenever I see a press conference or partake in one. 
she continued, we're, we're often sat there and asked questions that we've been asked multiple times before, asked questions that bring doubt into our mind. And I'm just going to subject, I'm just not going to subject myself to people that doubt me, okay? And this was her quote. She says, uh, her statement, hey, everyone, I hope you're all doing well. I'm writing this to say I'm not going to do any press ro- uh, ro- during Roland Garros. I've often felt that people have no regard for athletes' mental health, and this rings true, very true whenever I see a press conference or partake in one. We're often sit there and ask questions that we've been asked multiple times before, ask questions that bring doubt into our minds, and I'm not just going to subject to myself to the people that doubt me. I've watched many clips of athletes breaking down after a loss in the press room, and I know you have as well. I believe that whole situation is kicking a person while they're down, and I don't understand the reason behind it. Me not doing press is nothing personal to the tournament, and a couple of journalists have interviewed me since I was young, so I have a friendly relationship with most of them. However, if the organization think they can just uh, think that they can just keep, okay, I can't see the rest. Okay, we'll just stop it there. She said she said she hopes that the fine she receives for refusing to speak to the media will go towards a mental health charity. Osaka will be the second seed heading into a Roland Garros behind only Australia, Ashley Barty. She comes into the tournament with the momentum of having won at tennis last Grand Slam in the Australian Open in February. Osaka beat American Jennifer Brady in straight sets in the Mirabourne final. Okay, let, okay, let me just stay up and say this, okay, because a lot of people were agreeing with her and stuff like that. And, you know, and, there's, and, and maybe they shouldn't have press conferences or something beforehand, but other athletes, I'm not hearing any other athletes who's going to participate in that saying that same shit. It's just your ass. Okay, Osaka? I'm sorry. I'm saying what I'm saying. I'm saying what the fuck I'm saying. I'm saying it's just your ass, okay? And while I understand that you are a different breed than everybody else, but listen here, you in the motherfucking limelight right now. It ain't just, uh, it has nothing to do with just you being, um, and I understand your mental health. But if your mental health, you that fucked up where you can't take some questions, maybe you need to take a break from tennis. I mean, because that's part of the job. Part of the job is not just to get out there. See, you want the fucking accolades, see, when they say, when the press, when you win, you want everybody to be on your ass and be giving you the press. But you don't want to answer no questions beforehand. I don't understand that shit. The new school's getting a little out of hand. Y'all be talking about this stuff out here. They asking me questions. I don't want to answer. I'm going to break down. The fuck? I'm sorry. I'm saying it differently. I know everybody like, oh, what is that Carlotta? It's her mental health. No. Yes, but you know what? She just disturbed herself more. She put more press on her by saying it. Everybody like, huh? Like, you know what I'm saying? But some people agree with her because this is a time where people baby people and stuff like that a whole lot more now, which to me, in my personal opinion, does not help this generation. Part of your work thing, I understand, baby. I understand they ask you some shitty questions. I understand it ain't, but that's that's part. If you're going to be a world star athlete, going playing tennis on the world stage, unfortunately, unfortunately for you, it's not just a, a game of tennis, okay? It's just not coming about coming in and winning the tennis game, and that's that. Unfortunately, it goes along with politics. It goes along with celebrity. It goes along with stardom. It goes along with all kind of other things. So you can't just be looking at it as I'm just going to play the fucking game, and I ain't going to talk to y'all, and I'll, and that's that. 
that's not the, you need to get your, get, you know, I can see if you say, hey, this year, I'm not going to talk to press because I need to get my mind saved. But just saying, I'm not going to talk to press because, it's, you know, I, I feel like y'all putting doubts in my mind. Well, what do you think the other athletes feel like? The other athletes is going to get out there and talk. They're going to answer questions. You think, what do you think they, y'all all would be at even kill? <laughs> I mean, what do you think they think? I don't understand it. I'm, and forgive me if I'm being hard on her, okay, but I don't understand her. I, what she's talking about. It kind of sounds a little, to me, kiddish. And, I, you know, my thing is get your ass out there and do the press. You know, you need to learn because you're going to want the glory. You want the glory that comes from winning. You're going to want them to write great articles about you. You should. You need to go talk to Serena and Venus because they had a heart. Them now, they should have been telling people no. And when they used to tell people no to shit, they would get talked about. I mean, Venus and Serena had they shit. They had it hard back in the day in the 80s. You should have heard all the racial innuendos and shit that used to come up with them in press conferences and everything. Okay? The nerve. These kids got a lot of nerve. I thought Venus and Serena sit up there like, bitch, what? They going to probably say, that's good for her. That's what she do. But probably on the inside, they like, girl, please. You ain't had, you ain't seen no talk. Listen, straight, get your strength up because listen, you are going to be in the press. You, you, you're a great tennis player. They're gonna put you in the press no matter what. They're gonna follow you around, especially if you win it, honey. They're gonna follow you around. Your story's unique. They're gonna write story. What you gonna do? What, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna? Can you handle? Because you better ask yourself some questions because be winning, playing tennis doesn't just come along with playing tennis. It's just like if somebody wants to get in the NFL or the NBA, getting in the NFL and the NBA doesn't come along with just playing basketball. It's politics to it. It's a sense of celebrity and fame. If you're going to get the glory, okay, there's also going to be a downside to it. And somebody talking about I don't want to talk because my mental health to the press sounds like a lot of bullshit to me, okay? Now, I don't question that your mental health is, might be hurting, but you need to get you're going to have to understand that that's going to constantly come up, constantly, constantly somebody going to be in there, even when you win, saying, talking shit about you, okay? What in the world, what in the world, what in the world is going on around here? And if you don't like what they say, say something back to their ass, shit. Understand it. Sorry. <laughs> if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't know see these kids today. That's that's kind of wild to me. I'm like, so you just ain't going to, you just not going to speak to the press because you don't want no doubt. you they, they cause me doubt. And the other people got to get out there and talk. Uh, other athletes get out there and do the press conference. But you say, I got to get take my mental health. I ain't going to do what they not doing. I mean, it kind of seems kind of wild because they are doing the press. And you're not. And so, it, it, it and it also, to me, in my personal opinion, gives athletes an advantage on you because they understand you kind of weak mentally. They're like, oh, shit, all we got to do is talk some shit about her, you know, or whatever, and, she, and let her be an earshot of it. <laughs> People will do that. All we got to talk some shit about her and let her be within earshot right when she come, before she come out. We'll have somebody down there talking about that Naomi Osaka ain't shit. And she hear it, and either that should fuel you to do more, or, you know, are you going to be losing every time somebody say something wrong about you? Girl, bye. 
Just that's crazy. I ain't never heard nothing. I thought that was crazy. People were saying okay in it. People were thinking that was okay when she said. I don't think it was okay. I'm, maybe I'm old school. I don't know. I'm like, get your ass out there and do press. What are you doing? You maybe you not. To, maybe you shouldn't take as many questions because you're the big dog. So maybe you say, hey, I'm for for this year. I'm going to only. I'm going to limit the number of questions that I that I I take. Okay. But that's crazy. <laughs> when other people out here doing it. Okay. That's that's wild. <laughs> Y'all people, y'all kids be y'all gaby on something different, okay? Um, let's see. Lori Lightfoot. Outlet sues Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, over interviews to reporters of color. Okay. Have y'all all have you not learned anything from white supremacy? Have y'all not learned anything? White supremacy never, you know, they never tell that they're going to have an unethical policy. They just put it in place. <laughs> Lori, that's where you went wrong. And I'm just kidding. You shouldn't have said it in the first place. I mean, you should be able to, same thing with Lori Lightfoot. You should be able to answer questions, okay? But here's Lori Lightfoot. She's mayor announced last week she would only grant interview requests from reporters of color. <laughs> On the occasion of the two-year anniversary of her inauguration, the lawsuit really suggests Lightfoot had an ongoing policy. Okay, I don't know about that, but she did uh, express discrimination out loud. And if you've learned anything from white supremacists, is that you don't too much express, I mean, good white supremacists. I mean, no, there's no good such thing as good white supremacists, but people who are worth their salt in the game of white supremacy. Is anybody worth their salt? But you know what I'm saying, real, true white supremacists. God, I keep saying the wrong thing. Real, true white supremacists who understand the game of white supremacy never say out loud their discrimination policies. Have you not learned anything? Because that can, they know that can set them up for a lawsuit. What they do is pile on a whole bunch of other excuses for not giving, <laughs> for not giving you the job. Oh, you didn't get the job. You weren't qualified or not. Oh, you were overqualified. Oh, you just blah, 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 blah. Everything besides you black. <laughs> but Lori goes out and says, I'm only going to take interviews with people of color. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? Maybe she should get it for, she should t- get the lawsuit for being kind of dumb. I don't even say dumb. Just it was a dumb statement. Okay. A conservative media outlet filed federal lawsuit Thursday against Mayor Lightfoot over her decision this month to grant interviews only to reporters of color to mark her two-year anniversary in office. Judicial Watch, another conservative organization, filed a lawsuit on behalf of the Daily Caller, News Foundation, and reporter Thomas Cantanacci, who covers labor, the economy, and politics. Lightfoot announced last week that she would only grant interview requests from reporters of color on the occasion of the two-year anniversary of her inauguration. The Daily Caller caused lawsuits. Uh, this is this article saying this. It says the Daily, and this is from Chicago Suns, SunTimes.com, the article. It says the Daily Caller's lawsuit wrongly suggests Lightfoot had announced an ongoing policy. No, but she did announce a discrimination situation. Uh, this is a complaint alleges that Lightfoot has since been since granted at least one interview request from a self-identified Latino reporter, but denied or failed to respond to interview requests from white reporters, including Catanachi. Catanachi sought an interview with Lightfoot 
Lightfoot on May 20 to ask her for her administration would encourage more people to take COVID-19 vaccine, according to the complaint. It alleges that Katsunashi sent follow-up emails May 21st and again last Monday, but Lightfoot's office did not respond, okay? Um, let's see what Lori actually said here. Let me go here. Go. Let's see what she said before I speak on this side of the way, okay? Uh, hey, let's pull this up. It says, uh, this is a fortress from San Francisco Gate dot com. Uh Okay, is that one? I'm trying to find you. Okay. I think here's one. Okay, it says, uh, this is from CBSnews.com. It says, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot announced Wednesday she will only be giving, this is a couple, I think a week or so ago, that she will only be giving one-on-one interviews to reporters of colors on the two-year anniversary of her tenure as mayor, saying the City Hall Press Corp is overwhelmingly white in a city much more diverse. Lightfoot said she ran on being intentional about diversity and said newsrooms need to do better on diversity, too. She notified the media of her plan to restrict one-on-one interviews to reporters of color in a letter in a letter to reporters in a series of tweets. By now you have heard the news on the, uh, that on the occasion of the two-year anniversary of my inauguration as mayor of this great city, I will be exclusively providing one-on-one interviews with journalists of color. Lightfoot wrote in a letter to local media outlets Wednesday, as a person of color, I have throughout my adult life done everything that I can to fight for diversity and inclusion in every institution that I've been a part of. And being mayor makes me uniquely situated to shine a spotlight on this most important issue. Okay, listen, Lori, this was all done wrong. I understand what you was trying to do, and we know that this happens all the time in in white supremacy. But you did not. Do it. <laughs> uh, maybe you should have put a spotlight. I can understand doing Black History Month. I mean, I, I understand that period. I mean, just doing it, period. Okay, but Black History Month, you could have got away with it because you could have said, hey, because Black History Month, we're focused on the uh, uh, the things of Black journalists. Or you could you could have honored, you could have helped the said that this week on my two year anniversary, we're honoring uh, reporters of color. I want to take, uh, put the scope on reporters of color uh, throughout Chicago and because they often don't get a, a chance, and I'm going to be you letting them get most of the platform because I want to put a spotlight on them. But you shouldn't have said that you weren't going to give any other uh, reporters a chance because that sounds discriminatory, and we know white supremacy will love to gaslight and turn around discriminatory issues, even though you were trying to do that because you're saying, hey, blacks, the black people, journalists, are often discriminated against and don't get stories, so this week I'm going to focus on them. But you did it wrong, okay? And why did you have to announce it? You know, I just would have had more black people up there, uh, more uh, uh, people of color up there than other people, and it may have been two or three white people. You know, did, did not, have you not learned anything from white supremacy? 
I mean, you just do, and then you can say, hey, we, and then you you could have put out there, we're going to, you didn't have to put anything, to be honest, on your two-year, but if you wanted to shine a light on, say, this, we're going to make this black journalist week, I'm for my second year anniversary, I want to focus on black journalists and make black journalists week here in Chicago, and are people of color journalists, because they're often overlooked, and I want to give them more of a platform to do interviews with me, but everybody, you know, I'll also take interviews from other people, but this week, I am mostly, because a lot of those white reporters know they most of the time get the story more than black uh, outlets. They know that, okay? But you saying it out loud, you know, they say, hey, that's discrimination, you know, against us. So you should have gave a few of them an interview, and then mostly the black journalists say, because we're focusing on them this week. And then it wouldn't look like discrimination. It would look like there is a focus completely, but you didn't word it right. And it sounded like you were saying, hey, I'm just going to go, my two-year anniversary, I'm, I want to get more black reporters a thing because, hey, you know, we. I feel like I want to focus on more people of color. I'm not giving none of you white reporters anything. Well, that can't work, okay? And I'm not surprised they sued her, okay? Like she said, they said it's not an ongoing policy, but it to, to them the way it was worded sound like an ongoing policy. And she should have, you know, <laughs> she does not know. I don't know. You know, I don't know about y'all being Lori like, but Lori out here, Lori be out here doing some wild stuff. <laughs> okay, uh, but there's a way you should have handled that much better. Okay, in my opinion, right? Uh, y'all, Emperor Barack, Barack. Oh, I don't know. A lot of y'all still, y'all love me. I call him y'all emperor because y'all always be telling me, he's my forever president. That's my forever president. <laughs> oh, Obama. Such a waste of presidency for black people. Obama, institutional constraints kept me from commenting on killings of black Americans as president. According to uh, IJR.com, okay, it says former President Barack Obama says he faced obstacles during his time in office when it came to commenting on the killings of black Americans. No, but he could quickly call people who were protesting in Ferguson thugs, I digress. During the My Brother's Keeper Leadership Forum, Obama explained his struggle with institutional constraints that prevented him from speaking out on the issue. Huh, funny. Biden is speaking out on Asian-American situations. He's literally saying Asians, why couldn't you say anything about black people? There were some frustrations for me in my institutional role. I went as far as I could just commenting on cases like Trayvon Martin on what was happening in Ferguson, Obama said. Obama uh, noted he he followed the notion that the Department of Justice was independent and cannot steer, and he could not steer them. I did not in any way want to endanger their capacity to go in and investigate potentially charged perpetrators, which meant that I could not come down or appear to come down decisively in terms of guilt or innocent in terms of what happened. So you had institutional institutional constraints to form a president. Uh, continued, full of shit, okay? And he knows, yes, the white supremacists would have came after him. They came after him anyway. But you should say, hey, listen here, let me tell you something. In the United States, we will not tolerate 
like Joe Biden's talking shit right now about Asian and Asian American stuff and everything. We will not tolerate black American people being hurt and gunned down in the streets unfairly. I am encouraging the Justice Department to look into these things. I know I can't have influence on it, but I am encouraging them to look into it, to make sure they do a solid investigation. What the fuck you can say that? Bullshit. Barack Obama is full of shit, okay? Let me tell you, Barack Obama, and you know what? Here, the first person to really tell us Barack Obama was going to be full of shit was his preacher. Remember Jeremiah Wright. Jeremiah Wright said, you know, if you go this route, it's going gonna, it's gonna to separate or something like that, he said, because you're going to be uh, for 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 this, you're going to be going for the shenanigans, basically, is what he said. He was damn right. Okay? Barack Obama was, listen, Barack Obama, he's for aesthetics, you know, the look of it all. You know, he, uh, and, and really for black, native black people, you know, he was, he, we still haven't had the first black American president that was a descendant of slaves. We still haven't got that. So remember when our parents used to say, we ain't gonna never, you ain't going to never have no black president. Well, really, we had a calf Kenyan president, but we haven't had the first black American president, fully black American president that is a descendant of slaves. You're not. Even Kamala Harris is not, is half Jamaican, half Indian. Okay. So, you know, so, you know, um, he's interesting. Yo, at the same time. So let's listen to Barack talking shit, okay? Here we go. There were some frustrations for me in my institutional role. So, for example, uh, I went as far as I could just commenting on cases like Trayvon Martin or what was happening in Ferguson because, uh, as we discovered, not every president follows this, uh, at least my successor didn't, but I followed the, the basic notion that uh, the Justice Department was independent. I could not steer them, and I wanted Eric Holder and the Civil Rights Division, the Justice Department. Uh, I did not in any way want to endanger their capacity to go in, investigate, and potentially charge perpetrators, which meant that I could not uh, come down or appear to come down uh, decisively in terms of guilt or innocence in terms of what happened. So you had institutional constraints. Um, but what I'm proud of is that not only were we able to uh, refashion how the Justice Department thought about these issues, uh, coming in, looking at a jurisdiction like Ferguson and saying, how do we use all the tools of the federal government to rethink what they're doing and to hold them accountable, uh, but also to be able to use our convening power uh, to gather and focus attention on what are the practical outcomes that can be implemented. I, and I remember, if I can recall, the police became even more militarized under Obama after Ferguson. So I don't know, Obama be talking a lot of shit. While I understand the safety that men, presidents of color try to play, because they, they do try to play his safety, like he's saying, I didn't want to come down the city because he knew the white supremacists was going to come out of here after his ass. I'm like, you being discriminatory, you being da 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 But listen, if you're going to take a role as a president and you won't claim to help black people, 
if you go either go in there and don't even fucking lie to us, say I ain't gonna help y'all asses at all. Like Kamala Harris told us, I ain't gonna do that just to help black people. Kamala Harris told everybody straight up, I can appreciate, I respect that shit. Other than that, well, Barack Obama went in there with all them damn lies, change, change. He wasn't shit. Okay, so so instead of don't take a job like that if you're gonna play it safe. If you're gonna play it safe, it ain't no fucking sense in you taking no job like that. You come to rock shit. Like, I give that to Donald Trump. Donald Trump was like, fuck that, I'm going to be president. I'm going to be president up in this motherfucker. I'm going to be president up in this motherfucker. I'm shaking up shit. Actually, Donald Trump was the most changed that it, a president that really anybody had. Donald Trump was like, I'm fucking shit up. I'm, I'm making these corporations. I'm pissing off everybody up in here. I didn't come up in here to be safe, bitches. And the same thing, if you're a black man, you can't afford to step into the job of president of the United States and be safe. What the fuck you doing it for? Don't do it. Unless you just want it for ego and shit, which is what it sounds like Barack. He's a Leo. He probably wanted it just for his ego and shit like that. But fuck that. Don't be saying you're going to help black people. Just say, shit, I'm up here. I'm for the corporations. I'm up here for Wall Street. Fuck y'all. Like Kamala Harris. Bitches, I ain't here for y'all. I ain't going to do nothing just to help black people. Tell the truth. But don't go up in there playing games. Don't go up in there lying. Acting like you didn't come out trying to set up stuff and trying to be acting like you down for the people. Black people, this man was never for you. He was always going to play it safe. He was never about that life. We shouldn't have put his ass up there. I should have let Hillary's ass, should let Hillary's ass go on and win. Shit. We would have, maybe, I don't know what the hell. Maybe we got, you wouldn't have got shit, but it would have been the same difference. Okay? Talking about Barack today. I don't have time. Barack to waste my time. In other news, <laughs> y'all like Carlotta. <laughs> okay, what was he going to talk about? A uh, Black Lives Matter founder. Oh. She steps down from her post. Um, oh, when it comes to money and fame and everything, hey, fuck that Black Lives Matter shit. Don't nobody want to be constrained to that. <laughs> hard out here to be a so-called activist. <laughs> Listen, it says Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Cullors resigns amid controversy, okay? Um, the, the, um, uh, the embattled co-founder of Black Lives Matter announced on Thursday that she's resigning as executive director amid criticism over her lavish lifestyle. Patrice Colliers, 37, who has been at the helm of the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation for nearly six years, says she is leaving to focus on a book and a TV deal. <laughs> Her last day with the foundation is Friday. Uh, I've created the infrastructure and the support and the necessary bones and foundation so that I can leave, Colliers said. It feels like the time is right. But her resignation comes amid... Uh, amid controversy over the group's finances and Color's personal wealth, including the alleged real estate buying spree in which she snagged four high-end homes at $3.2 million in the U.S., according to property records reported last month. 
But Collier said her departure has been in the works and it's not tied to those attacks. Right. Those were, and this is according to NewYorkPost.com, by the way, those were right-wing attacks. Those weren't right-wing attacks. Those were coming from a lot of black people on the floor. This wasn't white when right-wings grew by. Those were right-wing attacks that tried to discredit my character, and I don't operate off of what the right thinks about me, okay? The Black Lives Matter Foundation revealed in February that it took uh, it took in just over $90 million last year, allowing the May 2020 murder of George Floyd after the murder of him. A black man whose last was under the knee of a white Minneapolis police officer inspired protests globally. The foundation foundation said it ended with a balance of more than sixty million after spending nearly a quarter of its assets on operating expenses, grants to black led organizations and other charitable organizations. Critics of the foundation contend more of that money should have gone to the families of black victims of police brutality who have been unable to access the resources needed to deal with the trauma and loss. That is the most tragic aspect, said the Reverend T. Dickerson, president of Oklahoma City Black Lives Matter chapter and representative of BLM10, a national group of organizers that has publicly criticized the foundation over funding and transparency. I know some of the families are feeling exploited. The pain, uh, they're pain exploited, and that's not something that I ever want to be affiliated with, Dickerson said, okay? Uh, listen. I understand this on both fronts because I do understand the need for people to have their own financial situation. And I don't know what her background She might have been independently wealthy before she came into uh, being a Black Lives Matter activist. And if that is the case, well, then, okay, that's a different thing. She was already wealthy. She she married someone wealthy, and activism just happened to be her thing, okay? But you have to be very careful when you're dealing. That's just like, you know, I, I, agree, that I, I agree that preachers should be some of the most well-taken-care-of people because, you know, like a lot of times in churches people get mad because of, Creflo Dollar has a private jet, but I'm like Creflo Dollar. If I, I, I don't mind him having a private jet that that belongs to the church to help him go from place to place if he's ministering, or maybe his family to take a vacation every now and then while he is uh, 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 under the church, because you want your leaders and everything to be uh, well taken care of. Okay, leadership should be taken care of. Not greedy, but if you got a chance to bless leadership, if you got a chance to bless them and say, hey, what you do is hard. Dealing with people's problems every day, kind of, you know, church people, that's a lot of times people don't understand that, especially in the black church, because people be saying, now, that preacher just after money. And sometimes they do be. But a lot of times, a lot of preachers who are taking on a lot of the tasks in these, in these churches and they take on a lot of people's problems, funerals, plus they go out of town and minister and all this kind of stuff, the least you can do, my personal opinion, is make sure that your leadership is always taken care of. I agree with that with the Congress. I think the Congress and presidents and everything should have a certain amount of, you know, uh, 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 things uh, uh, gifted to them because it's hard to do politics, right? Not greedy, but, you know, Certain blessings, a certain benefits should come with being a senator. If you're a senator, every now and then, yeah, you should get a couple of free trips, just as long as it's not influencing your decisions or something like that. And it should be counted and registered and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't have a problem with leadership being blessed. However, you have to be very careful when you're taking book deals, 
TV deals as a black lives, if that's what's making you independently wealthy. Like I talked about Tamika Mallory, because those companies like that, if you're going to be calling yourself an activist, those companies will influence you from that point on. They become your employers, and you become a representative to that company. And so what you're, you have to make sure that they are down with the same agenda you are down with, which is the community, right? And if the community is not in the organization, if people in the organization are complaining that uh, the, this money that you raise is not re- reaching the community, meanwhile you going around buying million-dollar houses, it looks strange to people. Okay? So, uh, I mean, listen, these people are democratic operatives. I tell black people this all the time. You can't be all... Uh, and and it's, it was somebody on there the other day. I ain't gonna say her name. Report a certain person. Time like, I don't understand why y'all think these uh, these activists and stuff supposed to be just working with no money and all that stuff and blah 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 blah. She's saying that because she's a democratic operative too. Listen, it's not that they're not supposed to be working with no money. They have to be careful that they're not compromised because what has happened to Black America over the last hundred years in our politics, Doctor King. And Malcolm X didn't have no money behind them, and that was sad because black people should have took care of them. The community should have made sure they was they was they was they was cared for. Okay, I agree with that. But the problem is what happened after that is that a lot of these black people use uh, black activism as a business and not helping the community. They en- they enrich themselves and their friends, and they forgot about policies that would help the community, but they claim to be activists. While the communities continue to fall fucking down, they continue to enrich and engross themselves. And, yes, you can't help what people do individually, but you better damn sure make sure that there are things set up in your communities for them to do better, not just you and your friends to get rich. And that is what's happened over the last hundred years. You see a group of elites making race a business, black elites making race a business. Now, a lot of times black elites are not as as affected, they are affected by race on a different level, but not like the lower groups, the lower class. So, you know, be careful when you talk that shit. I mean, there's a lot of shit talking there. And these same people, these same black people, these same black people reporter that says shit like that will go off about a preacher having a Cadillac, okay? But she thinks black lives activists matter. Black lives activists people should be running around with uh, million-dollar houses but not doing no work for the community after raising millions and millions of dollars and none of it going down to the smaller organizations, allegedly. Ridiculous. Crazy. Okay? Mm-mm-mm. All right, and in other news, uh, we did the soccer. Okay, so when I come back, we're going to talk about Vivica Fox gets 50s, little, 50s girlfriend together, okay? We're going to talk about Steph Curry uh, and the Warriors, uh, how uh, he, he, the Warriors feel like they're not going to have any problem signing him. I'm going to give my opinion on that. It may surprise some of y'all. Y'all know I'm a big... Steph Curry fan, and we're going to talk about um, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union. We got so much to talk about, y'all. I hope I get through with it all today. Meanwhile, we got to go to play, get to some music here. Uh, let's see, y'all, it's a mess around here. <laughs> 
All right. Okay, so we're going to start off uh, this next. I'm going to, okay, when am I going to start this off with? Okay, we're going to start off with Mary J. I Can Love You. It's the CC Show. I'll be back in a moment, y'all. We'll get more into hot topics in a moment, all right?
Chadwick Show right here on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back. All right, you guys, that was uh, Someone to Love, Mint Condition. I really like that one. Uh, we are talking, let me see, uh, you know what, I'm trying to find this article. Y'all, today is going to be, um, this show is going to be messy today because one of my, art- <laughs> some of my articles I don't have exactly up right away. So we're going to, uh, it's going to be a minute here. Okay, let's talk about Steph Curry first while we're looking for that article, Okay. All right, so Steph Curry this week, they're saying, you know, the Warriors got knocked out of it, you, you guys know, last week. But they're saying go net last Friday. But they're saying it's going uh, uh, Friday after before for this last one. So it's going to say Warriors GM Bob Myers pretty confident about refining Steph Curry to extension. Uh, this is according to ESPN.com. It says Golden State Warriors general manager Bob Myers pretty confident he'll be able to find Stephen Curry to an extension this summer after the 33-year-old guard led the league in scoring by averaging 32 points a game and was a top three finalist for the MVP award. I don't see uh, I don't see any reason not to be optimistic, Meyer said during the end of the season video conference Monday. He seems like he's motivated. We're motivated. I would say pretty confident we'll get something done. Has ESPN Bob uh, Bob Marks noted Curry's new extension would be uh, record setting. He would become the first player in NBA history to sign two separate deals worth two hundred million. Curry became the first player to sign a supermax extension in two thousand seventeen while linking a deal worth two hundred one million over five years. He is now eligible to sign a four year two hundred fifteen point four million extension that would keep him under contract two thousand twenty five. 26 season. Says obviously we want Steph back in the worst way, Warriors coach Steve Kerr said. There's no reason to think why it won't happen. We're excited about that. We're excited about next season. You know, coming back with Draymond and Steph playing at such a high level to finish the season and get played back uh, and have the opportunity to fortify our roster to see these guys emerge is all very exciting. Okay, let me say this. I got a really strange thing and what I really believe about Steph Curry, Okay. Steph Curry don't resign with the Warriors. Oh, God. I know this Pisces wants to play it safe. Pisces, you know, they know how they are. They don't they want to do the least. You know, we want to lay back and chill, but Steph Curry do not resign with the Warriors or don't resign with them right away. I think you make it too easy for them. I think you uh, – there is no razzle-dazzle to you. Uh <laughs> Uh, and player, I think that shows over on the court sometimes. That's why Steph in big games sometimes chokes up, allegedly, if, if the NBA ain't a WWF scenario, what I sometimes think it is. But Steph, uh, if, you know, these guys think they're going to get you back. And listen, the Warriors, to me, in my personal opinion, I heard, you know, I heard, was hearing Ocho say this today, uh, the other day, a couple of days ago, Ocho on uh I forget that show, the name of that show, or where he talks, a uh, sports show he has. But he was, uh, he was the Acho. He was saying the, uh, uh, he was this this particular. Uh, he was saying that you know Steph, uh, that the Warriors are probably you don't know how Clay's gonna play when he gets back. Draymond is you know getting in the older years. This is a chance, Steph. You no longer have to be safe. It no longer plays. You know back. Ten years ago, the good guy scenario, staying with a team most of your career, 
was was a thing to do. But today, they you know, dudes like Kevin Durant, uh, uh, LeBron James, all of them have made it more of, hey, I want to go where championships are won, where I can get more championships and everything. And I actually think you should look across the spectrum of for a new challenge. I think the Warriors have, is a challenge that you have come to and conquered. And, yes, it looks comfortable because Draymond and Clay is there, but don't be fooled by comfort like you were at Under Armour. Under Armour is a horrible choice. If I was you, if you could break that contract anyway, you need to run out of that contract. They have the ugliest shoes ever for you. And they're not doing a good, t- a good job of advertising you or your shoes, okay? They are not – I know he's supposed. Steph is supposed to be the one person that come up with his his only brand, his brand besides uh, Jordan. You haven't heard hardly anything about it. They use that stuff to keep you there because you are Under Armour, but Under Armour doesn't seem to act like you're Under Armour. They don't give you the proper backing or anything. This is the time I would create a bidding war or something. If you could break that contract or have one of these other two companies buy you out, like Adidas or Nike, I would definitely go back. Nike is looking for uh, the next Jordan. They are, they are, they are pressed because LeBron ain't it, Kevin ain't it. They need a Steph Curry, okay? So you can pretty much run the gamut, okay? And they're going to give you the advertising and everything necessary, okay? So don't play it safe like you did with Under Armour, okay? And like you're doing with Under Armour. You need to now look across the landscape and see what team you can go to New Chowchin and what is the team I am hoping that Steph Curry eyes. It's a team that he wanted to go to at first, when at the beginning of his career, and they ended up not messing up in the draft and not getting him, is the New York Knicks. I know. Y'all like, what? Yes, yes. And let me tell you why. There's a couple of reasons, because I'm a Scorpio, and I'm like, I'm about that life. Because one of the reasons is <laughs> Kevin Durant running his ass over to Brooklyn talking shit, you know, and then acting like he didn't want to be under the Steph Curry uh, shadow going to the Knicks to cast my shadow. <laughs> I'm that kind of person. Bitch, you ain't going to rock run me. I'm coming to the New York. I'm going a, I'm to a cast even bigger shadow. I'm going to scoot your Brooklyn Nets right on. Even if y'all win the championship, I'm going to dust y'all right on out. Steph Curry, you should look at the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, it's not the Brooklyn Nets, the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks needs a guy. They're looking for a guy. They're begging for a guy like a Steph Curry. They're so excited. They're not like San Francisco in the tech world who's gotten used to their championships and they're all relaxed in it. No, they're hungry. Did you see them the other day after they won a playoff game? They was acting like a nut. And Steph Curry, this will add more to your legacy, more to your your kingdom. You need to give the Warriors a shake-up and say, nah, I'm not coming back so fast. And you need to shop. And if I would leave for anything, it would be the New York Knicks. I would get it from under Clay, and I would get from – first, you need to prove that you are the superstar you are. And if the New York Knicks can surround you, I know they in the past they've been a funky-ass organization and made bad choices. The Knicks are tragic. However, if you can get the Knicks to finally act right, you know how they lost Kevin Durant. The Knicks like just lost. He said he never was playing on going. But listen, Steph Curry, I think you would bring a different type of energy to the New York Knicks. I think the New York Knicks would give you more more legends. 
I think that uh, not only should you go to someplace like the New York Knicks, I think you should also change your shoe brand when you do go. And keep 30, keep the number 30, but definitely look for new challenges and new horizons. You've already done it with the Warriors. I don't feel like I don't feel like it's on the horizon again with Clay and Draymond. I think you will do well, but I think the Warriors are content with they little what they've gotten already. Okay, in the last two years have proven they're kind of content. Okay, so Steph Curry, challenge yourself, Pisces. Challenge yourself. Get out that Pisces energy, get into that Aries rising energy, and challenge yourself with a new team. And the New York Knicks is it. You will be let New Yorkers will be so. Listen here, they will make you legends. Okay, Steph Curry, you got Spike Lee there. You got all the celebrities that be at the Nick game, Denzel, all that. I mean, just ah, yeah, it, Steph Curry. That's what you need. The Knicks. Say goodbye to the Warriors my personal opinion, okay? The energy just doesn't seem there for the Warriors anymore. But you seem very comfortable. You're going to play it comfortable with Aisha and them kids and stuff, and you're going to play it comfortable, and you know you're not going to like losing. You're not going to like it after two or three years if y'all never get back. And you, you don't, you, you're 33 now, so you only have a few more years in the league. Spend it doing something out of the norm. Quit, be, quit playing it safe, Steph Curry. That's what, That's why you keep getting bummed. And that's why people keep talking shit about you in these uh, these reporters and stuff do because you you trying to be you trying to play to the crowd when that kind of that 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 kind of shit's over with. Be yourself, have some fun, take do some edgy shit. Like choose the mix. How would you ever do that? The writing was on the wall for the uh, uh, Warriors, in my personal opinion. You know when the writing was on the wall for you, Steph, when they changed stadiums. Looks a lot darker in that stadium. I think it's done. Okay? Do something different. Shake up the whole league. Have everyone talking. Have everyone out of their minds. Do a LeBron James. I love when LeBron did that shit. I thought LeBron was dope when he he did that when he when he when he made the choice. Shit, I thought he picked the wrong thing. But he did good. He picked Miami and he was able to bring a championship to Miami. And he's brought a championship to Cleveland. And he's brought a championship to the Lakers. See, LeBron ain't paying the safe. You can learn a lot from LeBron. Don't play a safe Steph. Go on over there to them Knicks. Give them a championship. And make sure they build the team around you. That's my opinion for Steph Curry. Okay? When I saw that, I was like, oh, God, please don't. He's been playing this safe his whole – and I know most people think, Carla, you're going to say, I'm a more Steph Curry fan than I am a Warriors fan. I like the Warriors a lot, but that's because they play with Steph Curry. Steph Curry plays. But I actually think I'm able to realistically say when I feel like a team's energy is gone. Like, the Warriors could come back. I could be wrong on that, but I doubt it. I just doubt it. And I think that Steph – needs to do something wild to shake up his atmosphere. And he doesn't need to be – the problem with Steph Curry to me is that he's very comfortable as a player. You know, he's trying to be that good guy, stay his whole time one place, be the good guy, be the good – he's trying to image – he's trying to play to his image when he needs to shake it up, okay? This is, the, this is a time in life where you just need to shake it up and quit playing safe, in my personal opinion, okay? Um, 
What else did we want to talk about? We were talking about Dwayne. I was trying to find the Dwayne Wade, y'all, article. What Dwayne Wade was saying this week, it was an interesting article. A lot of people were getting upset with Dwayne Wade. Okay, here it is. Uh, so I got it up. Okay, there was a lot, been a lot of controversy about this. Dwayne Wade uh, said, believe that husband, sh- that husband doesn't believe that a husband should leave the marriage, okay? This is according to sportsonline.com. Dwayne Wade uh, was a leader on the NBA court capturing three NBA titles. According to Extra TV, his leadership in his home with his wife, Gabrielle Union, is reduced to support. Well, she is a Scorpio. Listen, we are naturally, Scorpio women are naturally masculine, kind of, you know what I'm saying? All the horoscopes, it's so funny, when horoscopes describe Scorpio women, they say Scorpio women's one wish is that they could have been born a man. (laughs) No, that's not my wish. But at the same time, I have a lot of Libra-esque in my uh, uh, thing, so I can be very feminine. But uh, uh, but Scorpios, for the most part, are very kind of tough. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, it's probably hard for him to be uh, dominant. But it says, Wade is a firm believer in allowing the household to be run from an individual's past decisions. However, a man isn't supposed to be supposed to lead according to Wade's philosophy of a marriage. This works for the Wade. It may not work for every home. That is the most important thing to remember, that there is no such thing as a relation, as relationship goes. Each relationship is different, and I always remember things are always a little easier when you have millions in the bank. <laughs> well, that is true. I like that he did say that, okay? Uh, listen, here's the thing. I suspect that Gabrielle wears the pants and that, and the reason why I say that Gabrielle wears the pants and that she's older, okay? She's an older woman, um, and uh, she is... Uh, you could tell she's the dominant. However, I don't know what exactly that she lets him do and what she doesn't let him do. Like, is it an open relationship? I mean, you know, because, you know, they did have a break baby and all that stuff before they got married, all these kind of things. Um, it's so hard because I actually believe men should take leadership roles. That don't mean that men – should be, uh, you know, um, and that's the thing about a Scorpio because it's tricky with a Scorpio because you can take a leadership role, but if you're too much of a leader, you're too subverting a Scorpio's power, a Scorpio won't like you, but if you're too weak, a Scorpio will hate you too. I mean, will stop liking you too, okay? So it's very tricky. He can be playing himself too a little bit, and a Scorpio will never say anything. You know, she'll just one day be like, yo. <laughs> This ain't working. You gotta get some. You gotta get some balls of L. You know what I'm saying, or whatever. But um, I actually do believe men should have a form of leadership. Like they should definitely talk to women and ask women. Women, women definitely should be having a, a, a say in the relationship too. But in in the overall goals, you hope for a man to lead. Uh, but sometimes that doesn't happen. I mean, that doesn't mean that sometimes women won't lead in certain things in the household and stuff like that. But, however, it is good to me when a man has the masculine role of protector and provider and stuff like that, okay? Um, yeah, so it, I, I don't know because I say that it, it, in celebrity marriages and stuff like that, it's very different and it can be uh, very tricky. But a lot of celebrity marriages, we see when people – here's the thing. 
he's a lot younger than her. I think they are seven-year age difference or eight-year age difference, okay? And what I've noticed about Dwayne Wade, okay, uh, is that he had uh, – I've talked about this on the show before. He's had mommy issues, and he's also had some issues with the feminine uh, – femininity roles of women in his life, including with his, you know, his wife. And just there. And so to me, uh, Dwayne Wade is attracted to motherly types, okay? So, you know, Gabrielle Union has to make sure she's not being mommy. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can, you know, because a lot of times men, men like nurturers, but a lot of times men will be looking for their mommy. So, you know, a lot of these dudes, he's much younger of a guy. So, right, you know. He may not when he he's never had a feminine energy like Gabrielle Union, and so it could be dominant. So it's it's very tricky. It's very tricky there. That's a oh, that's a tricky situation. One that I suspect, you know, I um, yes, I'll leave up there. <laughs> okay, uh, let's talk about Vivica Fox out in the streets because Vivica, honey. Vivica's been going back down memory lane with, you know, we just talked about last week about Vivica Fox, and I told my opinion about Vivica Fox uh, uh, saying, you know, Vivica Fox, when she got when she got in that relationship with 50 Cent, uh, I felt like he was too young for her, and that when they got to it, he was meaning that he was immature, not just necessarily his age, because they're not much in age difference, a few years or so, but he would, his his energy was very childish at the time, and whether they had a pro- – she said that she felt like they broke up on Vlad TV because it wasn't private, but I felt like there was a different, definitely different levels of maturity, okay, and that um, uh, that, it, it, and that and that relationship, in my opinion, hurt Vivica Fox's reputation, okay. It really, in my personal opinion, did because he, he began to, after they broke up – he kind of drug her a little bit, and it took her down a few notches in the public eye, okay? And Vivica had a very, you know, very well-to-do energy, you know, up there. And so um, so this week, Vivica has been, you know, uh, uh, Vivica has been posting old throwbacks with her and 50 Cent and everything. And it seems like his new young girlfriend, Cuba, what's her name? Uh let me put back up here. He's girlfriend. Yeah, 50's girlfriend. Uh, okay, yeah. 50, seemed like she rattled 56, 50 Cent's new girlfriend. I mean, she really rattled her because she said for Fox recently sat down for an interview with Vlad TV where she opened up about other former flames. In a recent exchange, Vivica Fox responded to 50 Cent's girlfriend after saying in an interview that the rapper was the love of her life. In a recent uh, in a recent interview with Vibe TV, Fox opened up about her high-profile relationship with Fifty Cent back in the day. In the conversation, she revealed that eventually that what that's what eventually derailed their relationship. The main thing that killed the relationship is that we just were way too public too fast. The love that I have for him, and still to this day, will always like he was always the love of my life. I will admit that without any reservation. She continued, he will always have a very special place in my heart. Okay. Um, and she said if she had a chance to do it over, it would have stayed private. But I think it was a maturity issue, too. Uh, 
she said they got too many people in our business. Uh-uh, no, say it was a very much a maturity. He he was young. He was hot at that time, and at that time he was probably with a lot of women. Too many people in your business probably mean people was coming to you judging your truth. <laughs> but underneath the repurse of the interview of the shade room, Cuban Link, which is Fifty Cent's new girlfriend, commented all with the violet and heart face emoji. Fox seemed to have caught this comment because the actress used her Instagram story to clear any miscommunication from the clip. She wrote in the story, well, this is getting good because I tried to post three times at Shade Room. She continued, now at Cuban Link, what what that clip didn't show was that I said he now has a hot girlfriend and I'm happy for him. So stay in, a, in your bag, boo. Don't get nervous. I'm good, along with some winking emojis, okay? Uh, and, you know, uh, she said something. She came back and said something about respecting your elders or whatever. Young girls, y'all stupid when y'all say stuff like that. <laughs> but y'all always think attacking uh, older women is attacking our age. And even though growing older is definitely, uh, 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 it is a very strange thing for women as they mature. It can be an insecure thing. It can be a number of things. But listen, you are going older every day too. <laughs> and one day, you're going to be Vivica, <laughs> right? And so it's so, and if you're, you're blessed, you're going to be, if you're blessed, you're going to be Vivica, okay? If you're not, you're going to die young. Okay, so growing older is a beautiful blessing. It is a blessing no matter what the changes that happen in our body, the changes we go through, the changes on our face. Listen, let me tell you something about Vivica Fox, though. Vivica Fox is still one thousand circles over something around some of y'all 20-year-olds. Don't get it twisted. Ollie Berry, Vivica Fox, and all them out here, these, these women ain't playing no more, little young girls. They looking like they 20 in their 50s and 60s, okay? Bitches, calm down. And y'all done got a lot of work. I ain't saying that's what Cuban got. I don't know her business. But a lot of these young bitches done got work at 22. These older women, some of them have gotten work, but it's been in their 40s and 50s. And some of them haven't got no work. Some of them just naturally look fucking good. <laughs> so calm y'all little asses down, okay? Calm the fuck down. You already got work at two. If you got work at 25 and this and Vivica Fox at damn near almost it was 50 vehicles in her 50s and looking like that, calm your ass down, okay? And listen, I wouldn't even say nothing back to that because that's Vivica's experience with her with 50 Cent. She's not with him no more. I'm with him. Why am I worrying about what Vivica's saying? She's just telling about her experience, about a relationship they had back in the day. Now, Vivica's probably a threat to little Cuban because I don't know nothing much about her except for being 50 Cent's girl. Okay, yeah, well, Vivica Fox got a whole ass resume, and Vivica Fox is a good ass look. <laughs> so maybe she's a little worried on that. But calm down about saying little things about women's age when you're when you're a young woman, because if you're blessed enough to ever get that age, you you want to be blessed to get older. You want to be, but I don't remember when I was going to say something. Like, I just don't remember calling people old. It's just so stupid. Like, I don't remember saying that about older women. I don't know. Maybe, did I say something? I don't remember recalling nothing like that. I mean, because it's just such a, I remember thinking it has, uh, when I was growing up, uh, being in admiration of women like Felicia Rashad 
All right, and Felicia Rashad, like when she was on the Cosby show, it was in like in her thirties or late thirties, early forties, I think, or somewhere early thirties, born in her forties and stuff. I always beautiful. I'd be like, wow, she's so pretty. I wouldn't know talking about she old because I was twenty two. Felicia Rashad can run circles around my ass even at twenty two. Okay, so that's why I'm just saying that there is where is the fucking respect for women who 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 have gone places that you haven't gone yet. Calm down. Your youth is a beautiful thing. Appreciate your youth. Use it to its full advantage, okay? Uh, But understand that the blessing is in growing and living. That's where experience and maturity come from. Okay? Don't let these motherfuckers out here who's doing these love shows and all this stuff fool your asses. Because they want a lot of sometimes not all men, not all the shows, but some of these men are talking about controlling women because you're young. But youth isn't just youth isn't just where if everything happens within that twenty to thirty five span in terms of your living, you know, in terms of you've got a whole lifespan to live, okay? And and, and your life just ain't in about youth. You grow in stages, and the beautiful thing of life is to grow in every stage, every beautiful stage. I'm telling you, every be- and it's hard. Sometimes it's hard for us as women when we're getting, we're getting older. It's hard. It's just different. It's different. We we have to work on our weight more, our bodies, and different things like that. But the beautiful thing is the journey. There's nothing like it, you know. And the journey to look back and to see the mistakes and to see the different things, and then trying to correct yourself where you're at now. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, little young girls, calm down with all that, okay? <laughs> you be blessed if you got physical foxes, age, okay? Uh, and uh, let's see. Let's see what else we're going to talk about here. Uh, J-Lo. <laughs> J-Lo's back in the street. J-Lo, she, that girl, don't, maybe, she recovered fast, don't she? I mean, Jennifer, I mean, it's fast. <laughs> Jennifer Lopez is already out here running around with Ben Affleck allegedly dating him. I think it's a bad idea, okay? I wouldn't be dating Ben. Ben Affleck's career has not been on a is, is kind of on the down trajectory, and you have blown him the fuck up, Jennifer, okay? But uh, it says, according to uh, Yahoo.com, it says, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck full-on dating and excited about their future. Jennifer's gym kiss Monday publicly declared that was already private, what was privately happening. Now, Jennifer, are you also on the rebound, too? Jennifer Lopez, and, but then you know what? Jennifer Lopez is like, motherfucker, after after 50, ain't no fucking rebounds no more. We move real fucking fast. <laughs> Listen, if you get your, if you get re-single again in your late 40s or 50s, you might move the fuck fast. <laughs> I ain't saying don't, don't give it time to heal. I'm just saying the time is different, right? You know, when you're in your 20s, you give you need to give your space, yourself space and time to heal. When you're in your 40s, you're like, listen, you know, sometimes there are people that are waiting for the divorce to drive. They be like, shit, or the, or the separation to happen. You know what I'm saying? People moving on fast because they in they late, unless it was really a heartbreak, you know? So, 
But Jennifer's moving real fast. They're saying reuniting just brought back what was there between the former engaged couple before, the source added. Then and Jim feel so close to each other very quickly, the source said. The old flame is absolutely rekindled. They picked up where they left off in terms of affection for each other. Lopez and Affect dated in early 2000s, from 2001 to 2004. Us declaration that Jennifer is back comes on a day after our source told the entertainment tonight about Lopez and Affect's Monday, Miami Gym PDA. You know, this is a lot of publicity for their asses, too. So I don't know if this is a publicity stunt or not. I do feel that he kind of gave up the relationship because of her associations in the past because he was, you know, back in the 2000, 2000, 2004, he was on that real white tip. You know, he was real famous and everything. He was dating Jennifer Lopez, was Puerto Rican, but it was her association. She white Puerto Rican, but it was her association to the hip-hop crowd and people like Puffy and stuff like that. I don't think he wanted that thing on himself and I think that he he this is my personal opinion he quickly ended that shit and he went with Jennifer Gardner Jennifer Gardner is you know Molly purebred Molly you know what I'm saying uh pure pure you know looking like the every the everyday white girl Molly Ringwald fat I like Jennifer Gardner though but at the same time I would not give him a chance I tell him fuck you you know what I'm saying? You wasn't you when I was when I was trying to be there for you and shit. You broke my heart. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck get. Okay, but that Leo's letting her passion and her stuff go get to her, girl. I think he's trying to reboot his career. Fuck that. I'd rather be with her. Kiss my ass. Okay, I would not do that shit. But Jennifer is one of those chicks. She wants that too. She's a Leo. She like all that shine and she just but. I say Jennifer is a bad mistake. I wouldn't give this guy two. I wouldn't give this guy a shot. I'd be like, hell with you. I'd be singing, ain't that funny to his ass. Well, I at least have a Shante sing it. <laughs> Some of y'all catch that joke. Some of y'all won't. <laughs> Let me tell up. Listen, I wouldn't give his ass a chance. So he kiss my ass. Uh-uh, because I, I recognize that, that that shit you did. I, I think that's exactly why he did it. I think he liked it at first, but then it became such, it was too much in the press. It was taken away from that image he had, that white boy image, kind of being athletic, astute. But now he needs a boost. Now it's fun. You know what I'm saying? Uh-uh. Fuck that. Nope. Absolutely not. I've been telling him to kiss my uncle, though. No, no, that's how I am, though. Because, <laughs> I mean, I just feel like that's what it's about, but I could be wrong on that, okay? Um, let's see here. What else do we want? Erica Mendia. Listen here. Y'all know Erica Mina filed for divorce this week from Safari, okay? After talking all that shit, talking about whipping Wendy's ass, just talking a bunch of shit, Erica's ass ends up divorcing, uh, filing for divorce from Safari. Now, Erica, don't go back and forth with this bullshit with you and Safari. I mean, this is a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Just the other week, you was telling people, y'all not being happy for my baby. Blah, 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 blah. You so negative. And now you at the divorce court. 
This according to TMZ, it says Erica Mina is throwing in the towel her marriage to Safari uh, after less than two years as a husband and wife. She is currently expecting their second child. The Love and Hip Hop store just filed for divorce last Friday in Fayette County Superior Court in Georgia, where they appear to have formally tied the nine late 2019 and where they currently reside. According to docs obtained by TMZ, Erica is asking for primary physical custody of their one-year-old daughter, Sapphire, but she's willing to share joint legal custody with Safari. She's also indicated she wants child support plus exclusive use of the home they currently share, okay? Um and Sephora, you should be giving her that because, you know, she is. I mean, she got two kids now, okay? Um, Erica, listen, I don't know if this is going to pay out on Love & Hip Hop, but this is a storyline. I don't know what y'all got going. But, you know, I'm going to tell you the truth. Nobody want to hear about this no more. Y'all don't be going back and forth. Don't be going. If you're going to get the divorce, go and get the fucking divorce. Quit playing games with Safari. You and Safari back and forth arguing and you get mad at the fans because they stating the fucking obvious. And I'm not going to even go back over this shit. If y'all want to hear what I said about Erica Mia and Safari, please check out. It was last year, last week or the week before last because I said exactly with some real shit. I kind of said, get the divorce and you're going to get the divorce. Quit fucking playing. Okay, but but I'm glad she's made a decision. She see the writing on the wall. Hmm? Just unfortunately, you know, they have a baby on the way and has to be born in a home that's broken. But babies are a blessing. But the, the fact that it has to come into a broken situation is sad. Okay, but you know, sometimes it ain't good to stay together. I mean, a lot of people will say that sometimes. About, we can stay together because the kids. Fuck that. Uh-uh. You will be toxic. You will be putting your kids into toxic energy. I remember playing on here about uh, playing on here uh, Lauren Hill's daughter, talking about her growing up and watching her parents fight. That nobody want to see y'all fighting, are you? Don't no kids want to grow up under that shit. Y'all barely liking each other. And y'all just trying to stay together for the kids. The kids can feel that energy. If you don't... the <laughs> The best thing you can do for your children, if you really feel, if you really dislike each other that much, I mean, like, if you're saying we're going to be together because of the family unit, we love each other, and we're going to try to work that shit out because we love each other, first off, and yes, but if you're talking about you're going to do it for the kids, fuck that. The kids, well, you're going to, if you if you only doing something for the kids, It's going to be so terrible for the kids to grow up under an energy of where there isn't love. It's better just separate and give each other, you know, try to be co-parent and love on each other and co-parent in the best way that way and say, hey, we realize we can't be together. We realize this shit's toxic. Uh, you know, but hey, we love you as our children, and we can come together in agreement on that shit. Okay, but uh, you know, and and it's better that we raise you. Stand we raise. I do not believe when women say that shit. Talking about, well, he he he. When they say like when a man leaves him for another woman, they talking about he just left the children. And, uh, no, you worry about him leaving you. You're not really very worried about the children, because the truth is, do you want some man in the house? Who, ain't, who don't really want to be with you longing for somebody else and 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 
and and and and and really don't want he's unhappy. Fuck that. No. It's sad when relationships break up. It's sad when households break up. Nobody wants that. It's sad. It's some sad shit. But it happens. And and you gotta be careful raising what kind of energy you wanna raise your kids under. A lot of people will lie and bullshit and say, I, I want them to stay for the kids. Fuck you. Why? Why? You know, you want them to stay for you. Tell the truth. Okay? Because the kids you will hurt the kids if a parent is there unhappy as fuck. On the phone, sneaking, kind of up and hey, baby, you know, this shit is like, what the fuck? You know, you kids know, kids be knowing that shit, too. Kids exactly <laughs> Kids know, and you hear it when they grow up. You know what I'm saying? But it's never for, I had a relative that did that shit for years. I had a relative who was in a, one of the worst relationships ever. And all the time, she said, I ain't leaving because I want my kids to have a daddy. I'm like, the motherfucker ain't there right now. See y'all with the daddy. They got a, really, you got a daddy?
uh, Will and Jada. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure there was some mess beforehand. <laughs> but they've done a great job of co-parenting with each other. I don't know. You know, I know y'all be saying swinger shit and everything like that. But I don't know. What I will say is this, is they've done a great job with Will's ex-wife. They've all done a great job in coming together and making themselves a family and you know and i'm sure that willow has a has a has an extended kind of family with her or, or and Jaden has an extended family with the other woman and her son has an extended family with jada it, it becomes a beautiful thing where you just say put the braid of petty shit okay because you know and then you got to listen to red table side will she's i mean they, they had some petty shit in the beginning <laughs> But what was beautiful is they they were able to to able to come together and say, you know what? No, we're going to co-parent and we're going to do this right. And and Will was able to bring that shit together. Okay, so I think that's a beautiful thing. All right, Christian swingers. God uses us to spread His word. I can't believe this shit. I read. God do us a wild city. I mean. This is according to ChristianToday.com. A devout Christian couple from Florida are championing an unusual evangelism technique. Swinging. <laughs> Christy and Dean Paravi met online eight years ago and began swinging after being approached in a DIY store. They now regularly swap partners with other couples. While most would regard sexual promiscuity as conflicting with their religious beliefs, that's what I was about to say. I mean, y'all just ignoring the command shit. <laughs> In the Paris, uh, who both complete, uh, compete as bodybuilders, believe they can use their newfound connections to share the gospel. <laughs> God has put me here to spread his word in our lifestyle, and our, our lifestyle community is a great place to do it, being told Bearcroft Media. You can't get closer to someone than having sex with them. He believes he's been given a unique opportunity to share his faith with those who might otherwise never hear about Jesus. I'm getting to the people that will probably never even visit a church, he said. God's going to put a lion with a bunch of elephants. So what's he going to do? He's going to put a swinger with a bunch of swingers to spread his bird, as simple as that. If all the swingers are sinners, what's the best uh, way to talk to the sinners than to join them, right? God would be mad at what we're doing. Eyebrow raised. At first, I was still, I was conflicted. But the more we looked at it, the more it made sense to us. You know what? Stop it. Dean and I are both in agreement with this lifestyle, so we're not committing adultery. God put people on this earth uh, to breathe and enjoy each other. I feel God is always with me, and He has put us here for. You know what? Let's stop this bullshit, okay? Let's stop this. I mean, yes, I know. it's bullshit. Listen here, okay? Listen. If you want to swing, swing. Okay, but don't try to try to justify. You know, like when people mess up, you mess up. If you committed adultery, you commit adultery. If you're in love with other people, it's the fact. If you marry and you have a relationship with other person, it's adultery. Even if you're in love, okay. Even if <laughs> I mean, the shit is messed up, okay. It's a, but admit it's messed up, okay. But people are trying to put to spin the good on it. Well, see, you know, we spread God's word. We, See, so we ain't really seeing, and we both agree. <laughs> I mean, God's word is still God's word, right? <laughs> I 
women just need to say, you know what, you can ask for forgiveness and get out your situation. If you don't want to be a lawyer, get out your situation. You know, there's a number, and I don't know, sometimes it takes time to get out of a situation. Okay, prepare to start getting out, but don't pull over no bullshit about y'all Christian swinging and out here shredding. (laughs) Y'all crazy in this world. It's definitely end times up in here. It's definitely in time. See, God's about to get, y'all about to get fed off out of here, boy. It's the God. <laughs> God up there now talking about, give me the other stones. <laughs> oh, let me stop. This is hilarious. I can't, I don't know where y'all get this, some of this stuff. I mean, Christian swingers, are we really, <laughs> are we really going to go there now? Are we really going to go there now? <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. I need to have invite them on the show and have a conversation. I bet they'd be interested to talk to. For sure, boy. I bet they'd be interested. You know, I'm, I'm open to the bullshit. I can. <laughs> Hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness. T.I. and Tiny went to church this week, speaking of swinging. <laughs> In church. <laughs> I to... That's a good segue. It's a... <laughs> T.I. and Tiny goes to church is a good <laughs> Tiny with the church this week. You know what? I can't blame their ass because when it start going down, you need to run your ass to church, okay? To really get some prayer, okay? Let the saints help you too, okay? You ain't time when you do a wrong to run to church inside of room two. <laughs> but this is according to hot new newhiphop.com. It says uh, uh, Tiny was being honored at a special ceremony, and T.I. took a moment to speak about the couple's legacy. <laughs> Okay. He shared his thoughts regarding sexual assault allegations that currently plague him and his wife on on his track. What's it come to? And now T.I. seems to address his legal woes from the pulpit. A global audience has witnessed has the increasing allegations against T.I. and Tiny giving the music world pause. T.I. and Tiny are known as Atlanta royalty and social justice advocates. It's been reported that two dozen women have accused him of drugging, rape, sexual abuse, and sexual misconduct. The pair of artists have continued to deny accusations, and on what on what is to come, T.I. rap that he would exhaust all legal avenues to avenge his name. A clip of the couple at church has surfaced, and it seems that Tiny was being honored by her congregation. As she addressed the crowd, Tiny noted that she's not the best public speaker, so her husband took over, Okay. Uh, more than knowing us human be- as human beings, they know our hearts, said T.I. That's the famous word in the church. We, you think y'all know our hearts <laughs> while holding young ears. And they know how much we are we're, we are forced first on the front line to do for whoever needs to be done for and to sacrifice a part of ourselves to give others. But that's how we were raised. We come from good stock to dig what I'm saying. This started, this started, it was a, a seed planted, he continued. 
she added, she I added that they didn't just roll out of bed and become who they are. The congregation, the congregation gave them a pause and agreement, letting the couple know that they're supported. Meanwhile, an investigation into the CI and Tidy in Las Vegas has been closed, while another in Los Angeles has recently been launched. Listen, I don't know what church thought this was a good idea at this time to honor Tiny. <laughs> okay.
Now, I'll say influence, I don't know. Montana, who shares two-year-old son, Micaiah, with the athlete, filed for divorce from him in December, has e-news exclusively reported at the time. On May 23rd, Malik shared a throwback photo of himself and Montana cradling their newborn son at the hospital. He included the caption, I want to say sorry for putting you in the situation you were put in last few months. My head, my head wasn't where it was supposed to be. I was looking for more when it was right there at the whole time. Um, I'm telling the world and you that there's nobody like you for me. He continued, for the record, I was the one who ended my last relationship. Off the fact, there is no one like you. Also, for the record, I want to do my own ish because I just left you guys, and I definitely ain't the type to set up pictures in the modern ish, and that's some childish ish, and I'm trying to grow individually. Stop. Stop the press. Listen, when a when a man did when a man let me tell you and this and she went on to try to disler Malik uh Malik in his post by calling himself a lover boy and writing that he misses holding y'all. Uh and then he put the athlete who uh, then she wrote a long thing to uh and she she of course was kinda dogging uh uh Larissa, she was kind of uh, dogging uh, Larissa Pippen, but you should not be dogging Larissa, okay? Listen, this man, and she was kind of coming at age, young girls coming at age, you supposed to, no, this old woman took your man, okay? Your 20-some-year-old self, whatever man. Listen, let me explain something to you. Anytime a man leaves out your house for another woman, he running around with another woman and stuff like that, the last thing you want him to come back and do, talking about it wasn't nothing. Cause that means you can leave me for nothing. That's like when, when on I remember on uh, the Housewives of uh, uh, the what's the uh, Alabama uh, situation, the Huntsville, Alabama thing, when uh, what's his name uh, said to uh, 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 with the team I forget their name. Uh, the dang the couple on there that's been, been going through changes and stuff. We be talking about them all the time on Alabama Hunts. Dude who was cheating on his wife. He said to her, called the ex-girlfriend a peasant. And she, she kind of chugged it off, but I wouldn't have never laughed at that because you, I say, no, so you, made, you, you was cool. You, you hung out on me and cheated on me for five years with a fucking peasant. What do I mean to you? If you can fucking cheat on me with a peasant, that don't mean shit. I ain't going to let you talk down to her. That means I really ain't shit. So don't let him talk down on another woman that he left you for. Don't let him do that shit. That means that he's cheaping it. He not only is he devaluing her, devaluing her, but he's devaluing you in the process. Because if he's saying, I didn't leave, it wasn't really, my mind was this, wasn't it. No, then that means you can leave me for anything. Anytime your mind ain't in you, your ass can go out here and leave me for nothing. That means you don't really care that much. Be, be, be able to understand that psychological thing under that. And I knew he was going to cheat on that girl on Huntsville, Alabama again. I knew he was going to run a Melanie. Melanie Hope. I knew he was going to cheat on Melanie again because he called that girl a peasant. I said, no, nah, he in love with that girl. Yeah, she ain't no peasant. Melanie, he's in love. He's calling her names. He's got a problem. Don't agree and laugh at it because it's not. if he left you for a peasant, that means you ain't shit to him. Okay, I would prefer you to say, I left you because I'm in love with her. That's respect. I'm like, okay, well, shit. Okay, then, you know, you really done had a, a, a situation, but seeing I, I'm just out here cheating with anybody. I'm just out here running around. I, I left you for any, I left you for something that wasn't that much. Well, that means that, uh, what, you could just give up me on a dime. <laughs> 
So, you know, the whole thing is don't ever let somebody diss another woman. I, I just feel like that's just, you know, whatever the situation, you took your ass up out this house and you took your ass into another relationship and you was running around with her holding her hands all in public, give a shit how I felt about it. So fuck you and her. And that's what I would have clearly said and said, I hope you, I wish you luck in your new life. But she ain't going to do that. She seemed like she don't go back. But she spent plenty of time going off on Larissa Pippen's ass. Larissa Pippen has no loyalty to your ass. You don't have to care. Your husband had loyalty to you, not Larissa Pippen. And so my part, my issue is that there should not, you know, it doesn't, that isn't the problem. It's him. Now, he, if he wants to earn his way back into your life, it should be more than a whole lot of talking. That, 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 that. Show show you about that, okay? Because really was the situation on the Hulk is I really think he just got caught. And see, what what happened months later? He got that woman pregnant. She had a baby just a few months ago, okay? Because he was full of shit. She wasn't no peasant. No, no, that wasn't no peasant over there, okay? He was in love with that, honey. Uh, he was in a, relation, a full-on fledged relationship with it. It might not have been love, but it was some deep care, okay? So, you know, women, be careful of that, talking and letting people men talk crap about the other woman, okay? And you talking crap about the other woman, especially saying if she ain't ish, if he, if he, let, if he left, she must have been something to him, okay? Uh, let's see, what else here? God, I'm sure we got, that's the last story. I think it's all like, because we got five minutes, but I, that's really not my last story. I had a hope. I got some more stories for y'all. I'm not going to say no part two, because every time I say I'm going to do a part two, it ends up, I end up not doing it. So I'm going to try to do a part two, because there's some other stuff I wanted to talk to y'all about. Uh, okay, here's what I'll do. I'll try to get a couple of the stories off on overdrive okay so if you're listening through the phone line stay online 718-766-4236 stay on the line and i'll try to get a couple of the stories off and then you guys i may uh, come back during the week and give you another story all right it may be until next week okay but remember next week i have a guest on pam newton from pam newton's academy modeling academy in kansas city is going to be on to talk with me about her fashion show in kansas city so you guys make sure you tune in next week at 11 30 It'll be on the 12, okay? So, all right. But and so, for those of you who are listening to me right now, we're getting ready. To, we're getting ready to go off. For those of you who are listening through the computer and whatever else, the apps or whatever, and for those of you who are listening on the phone line, stay on, and you can hear the overdrive. For the rest of you, hey, have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I hope y'all. Um, Oh, have a wonderful Memorial Day. I forget it. I keep forgetting this fucking Memorial Day. Have, to, have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend, you guys. And, you know, uh, enjoy your family and friends and eating good food, all that, okay? All of that, all right? And uh, we, will, I will see you next week. You can catch this show. The um, You can catch the uh, the rest of the show after when it goes up when I finish it on archives, okay, you guys? I appreciate y'all so much. I do. I mean, you know what? It, I, I appreciate that y'all will listen to me, and y'all y'all don't realize how encouraging it is for me. I know I have a little small group, a little small crowd. I've been doing this for many years, and I'm so appreciative of the little small group of y'all that listen to me every weekend, uh, you know, compared to other shows and who listen to and who, who writes me back and forth and have things to say. I appreciate y'all, and uh, listen, 
Thank y'all. Really, I do. I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's therapy for me, okay? So I love this, all right? So, you guys, I am out. Uh, I'm going into overdrive. Let's end it with Destiny Child, Bills, Bills, okay? It's the Carolina Traveling Show. I'm out. I will see y'all. For the rest of you guys, I'm going into overdrive. First we started out real cool Taking me places I ain't never been But now you're getting comfortable Ain't doing no things you did no more You're slowly making me pay for things Your money should be handling And now you have to use my car Drive it all day and don't fill up the tank And you have the audacity to even come and step to me Ask to hold some money from me Until you get your check next week you're trifling, good for nothing type of brother. Silly me, why haven't I found another? A baller, when times get hard, needs someone to help me out. Instead of a scrub like you who don't know what a man's about. Bills, bills, can't write her ass off though. 
It's the CC Show. We are in overdrive right now, you guys. And I'm going to try to get a couple of these stories out for y'all that I didn't talk about on the show, Lord, real quick. But if you guys want to hit me up, remember, you can hit me up on Carly's underscore Galaxy on Instagram. You can also hit me up on the Carlotta Catwood Facebook page. That's the best place to get a hold of me. You can also uh, get in touch with me um, through uh, Twitter, Carlotta72, and C Catwood Show, okay? If you like the show, Spread it out. Spread it. Tell everybody. A lot of people listen to this show because of word of mouth. You know, other people told other people. So definitely tell people about me. Tell people, that's why I love it. Y'all, I like it when y'all tell other people and people start listening. Somebody, somebody tell me and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so I love that. Okay, so definitely uh, thank you guys for spreading through word of mouth. Okay, so let me get on to this other um, uh, new thing. Jillian Michaels said it was wrong for her to speak on Lizzo's weight. If you guys remember, uh, Jillian Michaels was a big controversy because Jillian Michaels was uh, talked about uh, Lizzo a few, a few. It was about a year or so ago. She said, uh, "This is according to Yahoo News.com." Jillian said she was wrong to criticize Lizzo's weight, but argues obese obesity is unhealthy. Uh, Jillian Michaels regrets one detail of that controversial obesity rant, dragging Lizzo into conversation. The poor woman, every single time I do an interview, her name comes up. She must want to die, the 47-year-old fitness trainer said this week on Carlos Watson's show when asked about the drama. I have never once actually brought her up. I would like to make that clear. She has been brought up to me, and I would like to separate her from the issue, if at all possible. And I should have done that first time I was asked. I should have said, let's separate an individual from a conversation about health. And that is where I generally went wrong. Michael's added that is really the one place I tell you I went wrong. The issue was raised during a a January 2020 interview with BuzzFeed's morning show, AM to DM, where Michael's criticized plus five pride. When the interviewer said she admired celebrities like Lizzo and Ashley Graham for their body positivity, Michael said that Juice uh, said of the Juice singer, why are we celebrating her body? Why does it matter? Why are we celebrating her music? Because it isn't going to be awesome if she gets diabetes. I'm just being honest. Okay, listen. I get Jillian Michaels' part, and I get, you know, the thing. I've gotten on Lizzo here, not because of her weight. I think Lizzo is beautiful, first of all. Let me just say that. I think she's gorgeous. But I actually think that her weight was becoming gimmicky, that they were trying to uh, push her off as some sort of, like, fat Beyonce type. And they were going to use what she was using, his body uh, of body um, appreciation, and to help people be more positive uh, body-wise, uh, body wise, they were going to use it as a gimmick and begin to looking, uh, stop, uh, uh, stop appreciating her and laughing at her because it was starting to become fucking gimmicky. Like she'd be on things, twerking and stuff like that, and it was, people were starting to know her more for her showing her ass uh, then they will then to know, and and for fat women they will talk about you, okay? And so you know that for and they were and they and they'll make it a joke. Your sexy suddenly won't be because you look at that as a sexual being, but somehow it'll be some sort of undertone gimmicky joke, okay? And I didn't want her to become a gimmick because she was going to the Lakers games with her pants tore out and stuff. That's gimmicky. That's fucking trying to get attention. And I was like, sit your fat ass, that's bullshit. Fat ass down, that ain't, that, ain't, that ain't cool. I would say Rihanna don't need to be there showing her ass. See, 
right? But it becomes gimmicky. And a lot of these girls who are small, and, and it's gimmicky that they show their bodies all the time, too. That's the point. Okay, and, and so after a while, you know, people are like, what the fuck? People don't care about it. But Lizzo is so extra fucking talented that she don't got to do that. And she's so beautiful, Lizzo don't got to do that. She ain't got to show her body every time. That girl can literally sing, write, and do whatever. She ain't got... The first time I saw it, it was cute. But when you keep doing it, keep doing it, it starts, and it starts to outshine who she is as an artist. And I didn't like that. I didn't like that shit whatsoever. But her, I do like that she does bring a sense of body positivity. But what I will say, and, and, and when we talking about somebody like uh, the girl, the plus size model, shit, her ass ain't big, really. Her ass is like a 10, 12 or something like that. Shit, that's not really. <laughs> <laughs> and she's gorgeous, too, by the way, okay? They be talking about these plus size models. These plus size models be 10, 12. They be like a size 12, like 12, 14, bitch, and tall, okay? That's not... <laughs> I mean, it's so funny because, you know, because most of the models are really real, 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 real little. Like, they size zero. So, really, they haven't really gotten into plus size as much as they, you know, pretend and know that certain type of atmosphere. But, I mean, Ashley Graham is like a size probably 12, 14 in real life. Like, she's probably like a 12, 14. Like, Tabria is probably like a 14, 16 or something like that. But she's also very, she's got a lot of height, okay? Beautiful. I love Tabria. Tabria looks like a real plus size model to me. But not uh, more health, a little bit more healthy. But she's really slimming down too, you know. So and she, they, a lot of them have very flat stomachs, okay. And you know, it's a lot of hip and booty and stuff like that. Listen, I like I'm for hip and booty and stuff like that, you know. I got a lot of it, so I. <laughs> right, but you know, yeah. So yeah, but it's just an interesting conversation Julia and Michaels was having, and you know, I understand both sides of the argument, okay. Um. Portia this week. Y'all meant to talk. Woo, let's talk about Portia's ass. Okay, we got to talk about Portia's ass. Do I got it up? Please tell me I got it up, sis. Lord, do I got it up. Yes, Portia. Y'all, y'all got to hear what Portia done done. Let me say, I'm going to let y'all hear it. I'm going to let y'all hear it. I ain't going to even say that. I'm going to let y'all hear it. Let me see. Let me see. Okay. 
most tattoos, when you get a tattoo of somebody, like, you, you get symbolic tattoos, they usually not to kiss to death. Like, you get a flower together or something like that or, or a little symbolic tattoo from both of us. But a tattoo of a person's name or face usually is like, oh, that means disasters on the way. Portia, you ain't even been with this motherfucker a good month and a half, and you are already getting his name tattooed on the back of your fucking neck. You are really trying to get that $40 million bag. She working her ass off, ain't she? <laughs> they were like, what? You what? Portia. Oh, my God. Portia. He was, it was just a woman on Tasha K. Talking about she, your man was allegedly out here in these streets buying cocaine for bitches. Portia. He ain't even divorced from his wife, his ex-wife yet. Portia. Girl, I knew. See, I've been over the years trying to overlook for years because I, I held a lot. I held it a long time against you that you thought the Underground Railroad was an actual fucking railroad. Remember that? <laughs> One of my favorite episodes <laughs> of the Real Housewives of Atlanta is a portion where they was where they were short. And all of us have a dumb moment like that, okay? Don't I don't right? but I, I remember this. See see they were talking about the other railroad going through some museum or something. They were talking about the underground railroad and she's like, They so they used to pick them up or something. She just Portia thought they actually had a railroad. <laughs> you should have saw all the ladies' faces. <laughs> And I have not, I've been trying my best not to hold that shit against Portia. I used to hold it against her ass. <laughs> oh, Portia. But Portia, your dumb ass is out here getting tattoos already of a man who is, he's been running, he ain't even, his ink ain't even got dry on his own divorce. He's already engaged to you. He's put it out in the press, and he's been linked to another woman. I mean, listen, his behavior is not saying get a fucking tattoo. I just get a tattoo to show my love. Bitch, you can show your love in a lot of ways, but not a fucking tattoo. This is dumb. <laughs> All right, boys, so I'm going to get that straight up. This is dumb. Why? What is wrong with y'all? <laughs> a tattoo? Oh my God! It is fucking way too soon. I wouldn't get. I don't know if I get a tattoo after fifteen, twenty years. Cause shit, I, you never know when you gonna bounce. You you never know when something might not work out. Even after 15 years, you might say, shit, you know what? Hey, I got this tattoo. You got to go get that shit removed. Remember when Nick Cannon put Mariah on back his back? That's some shit. That's some bullshit. Don't put nobody's name on your body. You belong to the Lord. Jesus, what in the world going on around these people? <laughs> you belong to your man, but you belong to the Lord, too. I mean, don't, don't nobody denote no ownership. That's crazy as hell to me. I mean, ridiculous. I mean, come on, Portia. I know Portia. Listen, Portia, I'm thinking you just might. And Portia really, all I'll say is this. You must be really working hard for that bag. That bag is that. Portia, like, I'm trying to get up, stay up in this 
uh, uh, $40 million at all costs. I'm tattooing his name to me. <laughs> okay, according to Daily News, patent selling hip-hop legend DMX's estate worth less than a million dollars, Westchester court paper show. This is according to Daily News. It says hip-hop legend DMX, despite selling more than 74 million albums across a widely successful career in music and movies, left behind an estate worth less than $1 million and perhaps less than 50000 according to court documents. The dueling and daunting estimates appear in a pair of court documents filed by five of rap icons, uh, Earl Simmons' 15 children. The rapper known as DMX, who died April the 9th at age 50 following a massive heart attack, left behind a legacy richer in music and finances, the court papers indicated. The first surrogate court filing in Westchester County came May the 10th, and DMX's daughter, Sasha Simmons and Jade Oden, while court papers dated May 21st, were filed on behalf of son Xavier Takama and Sean Simmons. Both groups are seeking to become administrators of the rap star's estate. The women estimated the worth of DMX's estate less than $50,000, while the sons put his value under a million, despite his emergence in the late 90s, has won a rap's biggest star alongside Jay-Z and Methanine. DMX started his career with an unprecedented string of five consecutive number one albums between 1998 and 2003, then parlayed his chart-topping music into an acting career in hit films opposite actor Steven Seagal and martial arts uh, star Jet Li. But DMX drug addiction led to arrest, rehabs, and final prison time after a 2018 conviction for tax evasion. He was already behind bars at the time for violating the drug treatment conditions of his uh, bail, okay? The brilliant rapper with his distinctive lyrics and hardcore lyrics also was once charged with failure to pay $400,000 in child support. Let me just stop here, okay? Uh, first of all, he didn't have a wheel, which is uh, just getting ready to be messy in and of itself. You see two uh, people uh, who was already coming forth with one uh, to be the administrators of the state uh, with 15 kids. You should have fucking put a wheel together. But he was on drugs most of the time, you know, unfortunately of his life. He got better towards the end. But uh, see, this is why this is a stay off of drugs moment. Can't, wait, hold on. Check out us here. Wait a minute. Do I got it on here? I'm just playing for a minute. That's what I'm saying. That's it. That's the same. This is for y'all for a minute.
I needed SC Born to say it to y'all because you know what? And this can happen with regular people of shit that just don't have don't know how to count money. Shit. I mean, you know, everybody you got money is the hardest fucking thing, but when you've had millions of dollars at your disposal, millions of dollars. This ain't a hundred thousand. This ain't a couple of thousand. This is millions of dollars. In the course of a year, you see what drugs did. No offense to DMX, DMX would appreciate that fucking song I just played. Okay, listen, y'all. Let me tell y'all, these celebrities, drugs is bad. Drugs is bad, bad, bad. And some of y'all can end up with this, and they're not even using drugs. I understand y'all can squander money a lot of ways. We all do it as humans. We all squander money serious. Some of my kids, I'd be like, damn, what the fuck was I thinking? You think I was on crack? Listen, I'm just saying that this is sad. This is very sad. He's not going to be, listen, trust me, with the with the merchandising, if you do it right, his merchandising, uh, his music going on. So not this current album. I don't know how the current album will do, but the, la- the the rest of the music, the great legacy that he left behind and all this other stuff, he's gonna, this, his estate is going to grow. He's going to grow. He's going to gain more money. But it's unfortunate that when he was living, he had 15 children. See, and this is where I know it may be too soon. Y'all probably say, Carl, it is too soon. No, no, no. I, I, I really say these things because I really be trying to use people's life as a warning for us all. Not just for you, not, but for me too, okay? You got to quit, get up, leave the drugs alone. You got millions of dollars at your disposal. We got $100,000 at your disposal. Leave the fucking drugs alone, okay? Drugs, you are, we already be having problems with money, let alone throwing some drugs into the situation, okay? You will end up with a state that's just, he, they said less than $1,000. Are we serious? He has five number one consecutive albums. So over 74 million records. You know the fucking music business, though. They could be yeah, cheated too. But when you on drugs, you really they cheat you without being high. Let alone when you're high. I play FC Barnes for a reason because yeah, I want y'all to. I'm, that's a message. Get up off that cocaine. Get up off that crack. Whatever you own, heroin, whatever. When you're dealing with money, okay? Because it's already hard to deal with money when you ain't on crack and cocaine, let alone when you want some crack and heroin and meth and all that stuff. They will run circles around your ass in business, okay? And a lot of these family members, let me tell you something. He got 15 kids. Don't fucking play. If you know you ain't got the business sense to run that, uh, run that, uh, 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 administer and be the administrator for his will and sit your ass down. Because you ain't going to do nothing but ruin it more. That's a big-ass estate you're getting ready to deal with. And I'm sure he owe a lot of shit. You got to take pay for it first, and then it needs to be then it needs to be able to generate money. Okay, that's why Michael Jackson. Now sometimes I see why Michael Jackson. You know, he left it to some lawyers because Michael Jackson like fuck this. I ain't fucking up my money. I'm, my money already got fucked up when I was alive. I ain't fucking it up no more. Okay, but to me they for I don't like this fact that they sold the catalog because I would have been making money off that shit. But. uh you know, sometimes people, you, you can't, I mean, I believe there was somebody in his family that could have made that decision. I mean, it wasn't like he didn't have a family that was wild. But you need to have somebody that he continues to generate money, especially when you have a big estate. If you got a person that you trust that's smart in business and everything and everything to help generate your estate to keep making money after you've gone and to keep your legacy proper, because that's, it's very hard to handle an estate. 
Look at Prince. Did I tell y'all about last week Prince and shit? Prince, I forgot to tell y'all that story about Prince selling makeup out here. They got Prince. They got Prince makeup. I couldn't believe it. Shit. I said Prince would be rolling over. Prince would be mad as fuck right now. Let me wait. Speak me. Let me let me show that. I, I meant to show, show that to y'all. What? I can't. That's one of the stories I meant to show y'all. Prince makeup. I said Prince would. Prince would be like, what the fuck? It's a makeup line for Prince. I'm like, what the fuck? I got a makeup line out here with Prince. Prince, that's so on Prince. So on Prince. It's so not like Prince. Like, I can see you creating a, 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 a maybe a musical legacy to Prince or stuff like that, things that are serious. Prince was a serious musician, and he was very particular about his shit. Yeah, read this. Urban Decay, this is from Allure.com. It says Urban Decay is launching an official Prince makeup collection. Give you a picture of Prince-inspired makeup collection. Smoky eyeliners, Beverly eyeshadow, setting power, and more. Find a home in gilded leather packaging. All dust in your signature purple and emblazoned with love symbol, of course. Thanks to Urban Decay and Demaris Lewis, a model and dancer who worked closely with the late musician that the vision has become reality for now. Louis Urban Decay and Princess Estate have collaborated on limited edition seven-piece makeup collection in memory of him and his most iconic work. As Louis tells Allure, each of these products embodies Prince's work in a different and very special way. The key elements of Prince's music and personality that Urban Decay brought to the collection, in my opinion, are quality intention, practice, and not fitting in, she explained. While he's known as has the artist's black muse the nearest influence much of Prince work, but he has he was just as influential to her. Let me just stop. I understand that you're trying to do a little makeup line and you're trying to make it unconventional like Prince was. But Prince is not a dude that would probably put his name on a fucking makeup line. It's just not the fuck what he would do. I mean, he's just not who Prince is. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with putting their name on makeup lines and and, 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 and lingerie and shit like that. You know, certain artists, I think, you know, should be putting their line, like, like if I was Maxwell, I'd be selling panties, that kind of person. Shit, to sell, throw up on stage. I'd sell that shit, those (laughs) Maxwell, Maxwell lingerie. Shit, I have that on sale right at the uh, fucking, because, you know, women like to throw their panties and shit up there. I just sell that during the tour time or something like that. But listen. All I'm saying is serious-ass musicians, Prince would never put, I don't think Prince would have ever put that his, put his name on a makeup line. But, like, maybe starting a company, a record company or, or a record label that in, in, embodies artists who, 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 Prince, who, Prince, who, who are keeping the tradition of musicianship alive or giving to or, 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 or a certain musical instrument, a line of guitars that Prince would have approved, or something like that. But stuff like this, no, Prince probably would not have went for that shit. I, I, so, but this is what happens when people Prince drug overdose again. Can't you see with yourself what drugs are doing? Can't you drugs that's the problem. You don't leave no will either, okay? But when you don't leave a will and shit, this is what happens when you got a lot of money. And you don't even will. You got some crazy motherfuckers in your family come along and do things that was totally not you, okay? <laughs> oh, wow. Just hilarious. Like Michael Jackson's him. 
I'm telling Michael Jackson's family, I would have held on. I, I don't know what's wrong with Michael Jackson's fucking estate. I don't. That's one thing I agree. I disagree with the lawyers uh, with Michael Jackson's estate. My ass would have held on to Neverland. See, because this makes to me and my spirit, it feel like some prejudice, prejudice shit going on because they, you know, because uh, Elvis, they didn't want nobody to have a, a great son like Elvis. But my ass would have held on to Neverland. And see, he couldn't, Michael couldn't have had me as one of his relatives, and he left me to escape. Now, that's one thing I would have did. I would have buried his ass out there in Neverland, and I would have held up, because I know people didn't want the people, because the wealthy people up there in, in uh, 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 where is that place? In Santa Barbara at the time, didn't want tourists coming through there. But shit, in this day and time, after COVID and stuff, it's a lot of shit that's going to go down in these cities and places and that and wealthy areas that wouldn't have went down before. I would have held on to that land, and I would be running fucking tours right now through uh, 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 Neverland. And Michael's ass right out there in Neverland. I'd reopen the uh, cake, the cookie shop. I have giraffes out there. I have a whole fucking museum. I thought that's where the state fucked up. I thought that because Jackson, Michael Jackson fans will take voyages for shit like that. They would. Them Michael Jackson fans are no punks. They will take. They will travel across the land, water, and sea to anything Michael Jackson. Okay, so I felt like they they missed an opportunity, and they missed the opportunity to keep growing. Sometimes the state of Michael Jackson in some ways because Michael Jackson fans are such close knit. And to me, the lawyers should have made sure that that base remains close-knit by really investing in that base of fans that he has and really giving them some place that they could go and celebrate Michael. Even if you didn't do nothing but Michael Jackson Day for a day every year at Neverland. Just one day a year. You get permits for one day out the year where they could come out to Neverland and look around and then you would have made money, a buku money off of that shit. But selling that 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 house was dumb as fuck to me. Sorry. They said, Well Michael didn't like it. Michael's ass is dumb. And he didn't leave the proper uh wheel. My ass would be <laughs> we couldn't miss I think I think Jermaine wanted them to keep Neverland. I mean, it just was not smart to me to not keep Neverland and to not make a tourist. And it, and it keeps the fans, and every year giving the fans something that they could come to and celebrate Michael and celebrate Michael's legacy. And, you know, I think they do something like that in Gary, Indiana, at the Gary, Indiana house. But doing that with Neverland would have been dope, okay? I thought that would have been just beautiful. And the Jacksons, if they're smart, I would keep that Encino property, too, for the same thing, too. Bullshit, you know, I'm serious. You know, my ass. <laughs> I see the business in it, but I don't. But that's, that was that was Michael's legacy. Michael liked wild stuff like that. So Michael having Neverland, even though he felt a certain way after Neverland had been raised, but would Michael Jackson want a, a, a home that, that spoke to his legacy and stuff like that? Yeah. Michael Jackson was just flamboyant like that. So even though bad things happened at Neverland, I still could see uh, Michael Jackson. Like, Prince even got a home. Prince got his house down there. Now, I thought that was smart as fuck. Like, that's shit. They didn't even wait for Prince was uh, 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 in the iron good. Shit. They ass was ready. They was they was already uh, making Prince's house a little like was six months. It didn't even take, was it six months before they was touring Prince's shit? Listen, there's a lot of money to be made in estate planning, but you got to have the right over the estate to make the right decisions. And if you as a family 
can't come to terms with who's the smartest and who's better for that, don't be trying to let ego get involved because you'll be a mess up the whole estate. It's, it's no joke to be based, especially when if you're talking about legacy and things like that. And DMX, to me, can be one of the wealthiest rappers in death ever because DMX has such a um, a strange legacy, like a, a very – I mean, there's so much around DMX. Like, you know, you could – I mean, kind of bike, you know, the biking thing, the Rough Riders thing. There's so many uh, brands that you could use with DMX that that could become a very wealthy brand for him in death. But the person who does, who administers, who pays administration really has to know what they're doing. Really. That's real shit. Okay? Uh, and was that your last story of the day? Let's see. Was that it? Was that the last one? I talked about Portia getting the tattoo. Talked about Black Lives Matter. We talked about, okay, I think that was our last story. Yeah, talked about T.I. Tiny going to church. Uh, we did, I didn't talk about the latest, latest economic data, data shows red states are crushing blue states. I think I'm going to end it with that, okay? Uh, that's the last one. I meant to say that earlier, tell that story earlier, but uh, let's see where we at. Okay. Um, no, I don't want to end it with that, okay? I thought I did. Uh, let's see. You got a couple. Okay, I'm going to end I'm, uh, That's not the one I'm going to end it with. I'm going I'm to go over this story real quick, but I want to end it with the black, black woman being fine for photography lab, okay? Latest economic data shows how red states are crushing blue states, and here's why. They're saying, that, and this is according to uh, a WashingtonExaminer.com, Okay. And they're saying the good news is our economic recovery uh, is back. So they're talking about how uh, the red states are uh, the unemployment rate. In, uh, in, uh, they said there's a, a reason for why uh, the red states are doing better. Uh, the red states don't have as many restrictions on them. Uh, they're opening up. Uh, they're willing to move faster than the blue states are, and it's causing them to have much better economic boom. You guys, check that article. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but check this an opinion piece. It is in uh, uh, WashingtonExaminer.com. Really good piece to read, okay, uh, to find out why the red states are winning in that situation, okay? Um, the last story that I wanted to share with y'all, let me put that up, up here. Black woman fine for talking too loud. Let's see. That's the last story. From, uh, okay. This is uh, from New York Post. It says, Black woman was fined $385 for talking loudly on the phone. It says, racist motive. Uh, a black Michigan woman was fined $385 for talking too loudly on her phone and believes her white neighbor only called the cops on her because her race of her race, according to the news report. Diamond Robinson was waking up, walking up and down her block on Crescent Street in East Point Thursday when a neighbor approached her asking, do you think you can get off your phone or talk lower? One of those things uh, she said, Robinson said, and I said, get out of my face, and I proceeded to walk past her. She is saying whatever she's seen. Three minutes later, East Point police pulls up. 
Robinson says she began streaming and interacting on Facebook Live. And I hope you know this is all being recorded. She told the officer in the video. As she continued recording, authorities wrote the ticket. I get a ticket for being uh, uh, for being a public nuisance because I'm talking too loud on my phone, and she said in the video, that's why I got a ticket. Robinson told the local outlet she plans to fight the ticket and is now having security cameras installed outside of her home. There's no way police should be called on me when I'm on my own property in my own neighborhood on my own block, she said. Robinson believes she was targeted because she is a bot, according to the report. The white woman who called the police had just moved to the neighborhood a couple of weeks ago. She said she felt broadcasting what happened on Facebook Live was her only choice. Uh, listen, it's surprising that the police even came for something like this. I mean, I don't know if they ain't got, they ain't got enough to do, but listen, uh, somebody on their own property and you call, you coming out talking to them, you know, saying they talking to them out and then getting a fine for $385, that is the craziest shit I have ever heard, okay? That means that the police don't got a lot to do around there. <laughs> And a woman must not have a lot to do if she's paying attention to a woman that's walking up and down her own property talking loud on her own phone. And she just moved on the block. I mean, give it a moment, ladies. And you know what this is setting up for? You know, I have y'all ever seen on the on the ID channel, Love uh, Love Thy Neighbor? Oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. They be having the worst situations on the ID channel. It be people moving next door to people, and they end up killing each other. Oh, that's some wild shit. Y'all should see it. Love that neighbor on the ID channel. It be some wild shit happening when people moving. And it be little shit like that. Some new neighbor moving a block, and they, be, they don't like the way somebody's fence look, or they don't like somebody talking loud, and they'll start picking. And they, or somebody old will be on the block and don't like something the new neighbor who's doing. Oh, it's just crazy. It's the craziest story. And people get so angry and so mad and frustrated with each other, they end up in murder situations. Crazy, okay? But, hey, this is crazy. $385, this is not going to probably sit well for her where, you know, in the neighborhood. I don't know. But uh, crazy, okay? I wanted to end the story with that. Okay, you guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me and listening to The Overdrive. I have completed part two of the show. I hope you guys enjoy it. Have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend, and we're going to leave out with, you know what, because it's Memorial Day weekend. Let's see, what am I going to leave out with? Um, song. I love this song. Uh, I like this song. We're going to leave out with an encouraging one, okay? I love this one from Liza Living Loving Life, okay? It's the CC Show. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your weekend. Remember, you can hit me up the Carlotta Catwood Facebook page, the Catwood Show, Carlotta72 on Twitter. Those are two different accounts. And Carly's underscore Galaxy on Instagram, okay? So I will see y'all. Have a good one. You know, life will sure take you through ups and downs. But you have to take the bitter with the sweet. You see, I've had my share of heartaches and pain, but I'm blessed to say that I'm still standing here strong. I've learned to find a lesson and happiness in every situation. My mama always told me everything that looks good to you is not always good for you. Now, one more thing. Before you try to love someone, make sure you love yourself. 